and welcome to Double Odd 7, a James Bond podcast, a podcast dedicated to James Bond. We are back for yet another episode of our film recaps. This time we are into the 19th James Bond film. It's amazing that we're nearing the end game. And this is episode 28, talking about everyone's favourite James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough. Uh, but it's such a perfect place to talk about James Bond. Uh, that didn't really work. Let's introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Noah, and I'm ready to shoot people with my stick gun any minute now. My name is Ben, and there is no point podcasting unless you can't feel alive. And my name is Colin, and can't I just say hello like a normal person? <laughs> um, yeah, as we said... The world is not enough. It is twenty-eight, uh, not the twenty-eighth James Bond film. It is the nineteenth James Bond film, released at the end of the twentieth century, pretty much nineteen ninety-nine. Um, this one was directed by Michael. I'm going to butcher this name here, Michael Apted. 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 Yes, that's an easy one. Apted. Come on, even I can get that one. It's yeah, not a <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what else it would be, actually. Apted. Well, Apted. Right. <laughs> it's an app, and it's Ted. Directed by Michael Apted, uh, <laughs> the third director for um, a Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan. film. As we, yes, thank you, <laughs> Ben. Waterworth. Um, as we know, they love to jump around with the directors for him, and they got in Apted, and... I believe, oh, I hope I'm not butchering this. This is the first one written by uh, Purvis and Wade, if I'm correct. Um, yes. So, and I think you can definitely feel that in this script compared to the past ones. And obviously, they're going to be with the series for a long time. And I guess technically they still are in a way. So, good to have them on board. Um, so, I guess. That's kind of the housekeeping, setting it up. We may as well talk about our general opinions on this and extending on from last the end of last episode. And I'll say that uh, 
this one is not one of my favorites. Um, it, it maybe improved a little bit on this rewatch, but there's just so much wrong with this film. And they definitely do some good stuff, that's for sure. I'm not going to be completely negative. There's some stuff I really enjoy in this film. It's a bomb film, but the main problem is it's just so damn boring through <gasps> huge portions of it. Like, it, when it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's just boring. Um, so we'll talk about the highs and the lows, but this is not one of my favorites. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, if you listen to our Tomorrow Never Dies episode, which you have because you love us, um, you would have heard the varying opinions uh, based really on Noah versus Colin and I. This will be the only film that Colin and I will be on a team together uh, against Noah That's Groves. not about teams and versus. It is. It's Jeez. a team, all right? I'm saying that because I'm getting ganged when up in the on... next episode, yeah. so I'm taking it while I can. When you're on the losing... When you're on the losing team as much as Ben, it does matter. Yes, okay? So <laughs> shut it, Groves. Um, I fucking love this film. This is just, um, yeah, this is always, I've put this generally as my favourite and uh, the best of all time. And look, this rewatch has done nothing to diminish my like with this film. Um, I have just, there's just been something about this film that I've always loved. I love the plot. I love the, the acting by one person. Um, and just so much happening in this film. I, I'm not bored at all in this film. I don't know how you can say that. No, I'd like to hear what you will say throughout this episode to say that it is boring. But um, it's just, to me, this is everything in a Bond film should be. There's, there's action, there's sex, there's there's humour, there's stunning locations, there's plot twists, there's Judy Dench. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I am just so excited for this episode. This has been the one that I have been waiting for the most, even more so than the one that we're getting to next. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I've just waited my entire life to hear somebody's uh, constructive criticism of the world is not enough because I've never understood why so many people don't care for this movie. I love it. I've always loved it. Um, I've always considered it one of my like one of the best bomb movies, but also like one of the best stories. As you talked about Ben, like I think the story's fantastic in this, and we're coming off of two movies where the story was kind of just. Well, not two, if you go through the 80s, we're coming off of about six or seven where the story was just sort of like the, the last minute detail. And what I really love about this is that the movie is driven by the story this time. And there's really not a lot that, that feels like it's just tacked on here. Um, the cast is incredible. I'm going to argue that this is this cast is right up there with Goldeneye with the exception of one, which, <laughs> as I said in the last episode, is the only complaint I ever hear from people when they talk about the world is not enough. Is just saying, well, Denise Richards is terrible. It's like, well, you can go to any Bond movie and find one person that's terrible. Um, but that doesn't I thought necessarily... you were talking about Davidov. <laughs> yeah, Davidov is the Denise Richards of just henchmen. Those two bring it completely down. <laughs> but, like, the rest of the movie is so much fun. And I, I, in a way, I do understand where Noah's coming from. Because I do think the first half is a little bit slow compared to the second half. But I think that also is just because the second half is so strong. Um, there's really not one unentertaining moment uh, during the entire second hour of this. And the other thing might be that it doesn't have a lot of humor compared to the first two or even the one that follows this. Uh, the first two had a lot of humor, uh, and I don't think I was really ever aware of how much until I watched this one and realized it wasn't noticeably down. But 
again, the trade-off of that is that you have a little bit more of a serious plot. And some things in this are so successful, especially the villains. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm interested just to hear what things Noah considers to be so bad about this. Great. Pressure's on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's. Well, speaking of wanting to hear opinions, let's get straight into the film if we've got nothing else to add on that. Um, and start with a very unique pre title sequence, uh, mainly because it's like three different scenes in one or two scenes in one, and it's also the longest um, pre title sequence. Well, Spectre could have maybe been over talking about it. Yeah. Um, Quantum of Solace definitely didn't. Casino Royale definitely didn't. Skyfall, no. So, yeah, are we in agreement? Mm-hmm. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I um, just I didn't know. If, I, I knew this was the longest. Spectre was pretty long. I didn't know I Spectre think had. It was 15 minutes. Okay. So it starts with Bond in a meeting with a Swiss banker where he's trying to get some money back uh, and everything goes wrong. People are getting shot. Bond is shooting people and he has to escape in a pretty cool escape scene, I have to to admit, um, which tying himself to that guy and then jumping out of the building is pretty cool. Um, And then after that cuts to MI6 in London uh, where we get already the money penny scene in the pre-title sequence, and this is really the only Brosnan traditional money penny uh, scene, which is pretty cool. Um, what did I miss? What did he give her? A cigar. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. From the girl, uh, the cigar <laughs> girl, uh, as she'll be known as. Um, but I thought he was being a bit suggestive with his metal-like. Um, let's not, not get into bond. that. I think she was being more suggestive, wasn't she? You know where I can put that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Samantha. Um, I, I think it's a pretty cool money penny scene because it's more of a traditional one, so I like that. Um, we meet Sir Robert King, who's got his money back. Um, he was the one who bought the stolen reports. Um, King leaves and he's blown up by the, what would you call it, trap money, I guess you could call it. Um, blows a big portion of MI6 up, but they seem to fix that up for the next uh, one, I believe. So it's not like Skyfall into Spectre. Um, and then Bond is going after the assassin uh, and uh, they jump into is there a name for this boat? I'm sure there's a name for it, but he jumps into Q's boat. I think it's called um, the Q fishing boat. boat. <laughs> what is it, uh, Colin? It's, I think it says Q boat on the side. Mm. Q boat, yeah. Bartho's son. <laughs> um, and there's a pretty epic chase up the Thames, which I can say this is one location I've been to in Bond, and everyone listening to this from London or the UK is just like... <laughs> I'm there every day, but for someone from Tasmania, it's cool to go up the Thames and see where Bomb was in the world is not enough, so give that one to me. Um, I used to love, well, I still love this scene. It's amazing, and I can tell you right now, it's going to be in the Hall of Fame, um, but when I was a kid, this is one of the earliest ones I ever saw, and this is the first James Bond film I remember coming out in the cinemas and being the new James Bond film. And this was always my favourite scene from the entire film, the the chase in the Q-boat. And to me, when I was younger, this scene just 
epitomized what James Bond was and it was just so damn epic. Um, And it still holds up completely. I love the chase. It's beautiful cinematography and just really cool action sequences on land as well. They go on some bits. Um, Eventually it leads to Bond jumping into a... Well, Assassin jumping into the hot air balloon conveniently placed... Um, and Bond jumps on, uh, the balloon blows up, the girl's dead, Bond falls, hurts his arm a little bit, joins uh, Jaws falling into the circus top thing, uh, conveniently placed for Bond to not die. Um, and we head into the title sequence. So, yeah, 15 minutes, uh, and it's kind of a bit disjointed. Uh, but the reason they did that was because the first part with the Swiss banker was so short that they didn't think that would live up to the pre-title. So they extended it. And you can tell this doesn't feel like it's meant to be all in the pre-dial sequence. That going into Money Penny's office and that, it just does not really fit. But all can be forgiven for the epic boat chase. So overall, I like this, but you definitely can tell something's up with uh, the editing here. This is the first Bond movie I ever saw in the cinemas. I was 12 years old, and I remember this whole sequence. And... I can see why people say it's disjointed, but to me it's not. I think it all works perfectly and, you know, 15-minute sequence, I'm not, again, you know, looking at my watch at all throughout this scene. I mean, the opening bit in the the bank is fantastic. Just the tension, I think. Um, I love the way Brosnan plays up to it. Um, you know, the moment there with Cigar Girl, you know, would you care to check my figures? <laughs> oh, they they seem to be in order. Um, and then basically we kind of get the whole little dialogue there and he's like, you know, I'm opp- giving the opportunity to leave here and I'm giving the opportunity to walk out here alive and just hard-ass Bond. I just love that when Brosnan really plays up to this and... Um, and then the, the whole situation there when he's jumping out the window and he just kind of walks down the street casually, you know, it's fantastic. Um, the whole money penny stuff, it's so good. And I just love the interaction there. And when, um, you know, we jokingly say like, you know where I'm going to put this, I'm expecting you to get up on the table and like lift a sh- skirt up, but no, she throws it in yeah, the we, bin. We, we get it, man. We throw it in the bin. You don't need to go into intimate details of what would happen. I stopped there. I didn't go too far. Um, and, the the line there, you know, story of our relationship, close but no cigar. Um, and this chase, like, just when he's running through MI6. Like, can I just point out, Money Penny is shit uh, at her job because um, M gets on the intercom, Money, Money Penny, stop King. She doesn't stop him. I'm like, why is it Bond running after? Like, shouldn't Money Penny be there, like, side by side with Bond? Um, Do you think maybe she tried and he's like, no, get off me and just shoves her to the ground? Yes. King, stop. She oh, was too go. busy okay. on the table. With, uh, <laughs> I'll stop it there. I love it when he's running through and he runs past Q and he's like, stop. And Q just has he shakes his head like, no, oh, there's James again. And the explosion, like, yeah, I was thinking that too. It's kind of strange now having seen this, like, seeing the explosion in Skyfall and then obviously leading into Spectre. Like, I think obviously the explosion in Skyfall was maybe a little bit bigger than this one, but still, obviously, late 90s, early 2000s construction is a little bit more uh, reliable than late 2000, uh, what, early 2010s. 
Um, and this boat chase sequence, oh my goodness. This, this to me is a top five opening sequence. It's been my personal favourite in the entire history of Bond, but this is just epic. And this chase is amazing. The music is amazing. Um, you know, the, the jumps and the flips and the going under the water and adjusting the tide. Just fucking love that moment. Um, the, the bits on the land and he's like honking the boat's horn. I swear that's him honking the horn. <laughs> and he's like driving around there and, yeah, Cigar Girl choosing a hot air balloon to escape. Did you actually think that was going to work? Like, you know, <laughs> it's probably the slowest getaway vehicle in the history of the world. Um, and then they're hovering over the... Mal- well, it's safe if Money Penny's supposed to be going after that. <laughs> 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 Money Penny's car. <laughs> Money Penny, she's getting away. Oh, is she? Oh. I'll get there eventually. Um, above the, the, the sadly departed Millennium Dome, um, white elephant in London's history. Um, and yeah, we kind of get a bit of a teaser there when she blows herself up, like, I can keep you safe, not from him, and then boom. Um, and yeah, again, I love these scenes where um, it kind of, like, he falls and then you see his, like, little silhouette being part of the opening sequence. It's sort of a staple of all the Brosnan films. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is just amazing. It's it's great. It's, it's just action-packed and... Yeah, it's it's unique in the way they do sort of more than just one scene into it, but um, oh, I just I love it to bits. Yeah, I actually really wonder whether this could have worked as just a traditional, you know, three minute pre title scene like the Sean Connerys used to have, or even the early Roger Moore's. Um, and, and that's not saying it's not great the way it is. It's just uh, I, I would love to see this recut with the titles coming right after, you know, he drops from the bank and then the movie starting after that. Uh, Cause I think it would have worked. I think that I can understand why they didn't do it, especially at the time, you know, you're going from golden eye to tomorrow never dies. You really do have to one up yourself on it, but uh, it would be really interesting to see what, what it would have looked like just with the, that first scene in there. Cause that first scene's great too. I mean, you could have that as the pre-title scene. And I think if you're not watching this in order, expecting something bigger, it's kind of like when Casino Royale came out. The Casino Royale pre-title scene is very simple, but you don't really complain about it. You know, now it's it's just you, ha- you were able to have it removed from these bigger ones that Pierce did. Everything that happens in that boat chase is gold. I mean, that is you, you even take it outside of pre-title scenes. You put that as a climax of any Bond movie, and that's a satisfying climax. I mean, it's it's incredible. And I'm very jealous you did get to see any of the locations uh, because I would like when you were there, were you able to see just the river or were you able to see like, oh, this is the part where the boat turned here? Yeah, you could see specific parts um, of and I definitely recognized not all of it, but it wasn't just on the river. I actually saw parts from uh, where he went up. um, So that was pretty cool. If you have any pictures, you have to put them up and. If you don't, do. well, I'll have a look. Yeah. If you don't go back and take some. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this boat, ch- boat chase is not only the best pre-title scene that Pierce had. I-, I would argue this could end up being the best action scene of any of the Pierce Brosnan movies, hands down. Uh, and I-, I like even just the-, the-, the thing that starts with King and M. Uh, the scene in there. I- I- every time I watch this, I wonder when she talks about them being old friends. You know. If James Bond says this is an old friend of mine and it's a woman, uh, you know what you're thinking. So uh, I'm wondering if M and King ever get, got it on back in the oh, day. Mate, um, sorry, they totally did. King and M were I'll banging be like your crazy. King. 
Um, You're a sexist, misogynist, carnival. <laughs> and I love it. So <laughs> I have oh, the balls yeah, I mean, for this job. <laughs> Yeah, I love everything about this. Even the fact that you know, it's really ch- chasing down a henchman and your henchman, you know, cigar girl. I mean, that's not your traditional chase down the villain you start a movie with. And there's a lot of things I'm going to mention throughout this podcast that don't make this a typical Bond movie, uh, which has actually helped me to introduce people to Bond. I use this movie to introduce people to Bond over the years. Oh, uh, uh, no. And I th- yes, and it Good works. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and the fact that she just killed herself right in the beginning, I mean, that perfectly sets up the movie. You know, we talk about how the Pierce pre-title scenes are very tied to the plot. Uh, I usually don't like that as much, but I think it really works here because at the time, you're not really realizing it. I mean, even the, the mystery shot that comes in, uh, you know, when they're still in the banker's office, it wasn't even until... I've seen this movie so many times. I've probably seen it, you know, right up there with Goldfinger and... Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is like the one that I've seen the most. And it was only this recent time when I was going back to watch The Kill Count. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what Renard was talking about later on. Like there's there's a lot of different layers here that really work even later in the movie. And it, it, the one thing that I really love about this is just and nothing against Goldeneye or Tomorrow Never Dies. But those were a little bit campier. And this one is kind of like putting all the camp away and it's treating it as a serious movie, which, again, I don't understand why people are so critical of this because I think it's a pretty classy uh, opening to the movie, a pretty classy movie all around. Yeah, I'll come back to that statement when we get to John Cleese. But um, hey, pre-title uh, title sequence, hmm, and song. Hmm, this title sequence is kind of not good in some parts. Um, I really like the, as you mentioned, Bond falling and kind of the oil stuff, but some of the fluoro colory type stuff just looks horrible. This is one of the most dated ones ever. I think it looks like uh, one, of, one of those things called where you put your eye in, it's like a telescope, but you turn the... Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> Kaleidoscope, yeah. It's just like, no. Um, so I, I like the oil babes. They were good, but... Then the rest of it just looked horrible in my eyes. Um, so it's it's a mixed match kind of like Tomorrow Never Dies for me. Um, outside of Goldeneye, I don't really love the Brosnan title sequences too much. Um, as for the song, I used to hate it. This and Tomorrow Never Dies used to be my bottom two Bond songs. And it's slowly growing on me over the years. I can see why people do like it. Um the chorus kind of works, but some of the verses are really boring and don't work in my eyes, um, even though they include an important part of the plot. But um, So it's a decent one, but it would still be in my bottom 10 songs, and I'm dreading what Ben's about to say about all of this. But, um, yeah, I think they probably could have had a better song, but I, it does the job, though, so it's, it's not too bad. It's kind of catchy in the chorus. I'll start with the, the the sequence itself. I I you're you're not a fan. I, I mean, as you've sort of heard me, I love all the, sort of the Brosnan um, actual credits. But having said that, I think this is out of the four of them the worst. Not saying it's bad it, compared to other ones, but out of it's the weakest. I mean, I love the oil. I love the oil women, but it kind of just after a minute or so, it's you just okay. It's women. They're moving great, and then you randomly see a bullet down the bottom. 
Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's the weakest out of all the Brosnans. Still good though. Um, the song, look, it's, I love this song. Um, I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Shirley Manson. Garbage is my favorite band. Um, I, I just absolutely. Yeah, I know we like, we know you like Madonna band. (laughs) Yeah, let's not on Madonna. (laughs) I absolutely love the band Garbage. Um, and when I interviewed Shirley, I did briefly talk about Bond and it's still something that she holds in high regard that they were doing. I think she's got the perfect voice to do a James Bond theme, uh, whether or not she's doing it with the band or just by herself. Um, the lyrics of this song, um, I think if you actually, uh, in interviews, she's stated that this song is actually meant to be sung from the perspective of Electra, which I think if you know that, it uh, makes sense. Not your sense. perspective. Uh, but this, this is legit. I'm not, I'm not trying to put this out there. This is actually what the song is from. It's from, And if you actually read the lyrics based on that, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I love the way I think sort of what you may be alluding to there, Noah, that they work into the lyrics when they say, people like us know how to survive. There's no point in living if you can't feel alive. Like, obviously, that's a key line they use in the movie. Um, which I was, well, I was trying to figure out is, does that come from the song or was that incorporated in the song because it was in the script? I'd which way does it song work? from the script, if I had to guess, but anyway, um, yeah. So and you don't know. I, I, I don't know that part of it. No. Um, but she's just got that voice. She's got an amazing voice. The film, I love the film clip to this song. If nobody's ever watched the actual film clip, it's it's a great film clip to the song as well. Um, but the funny thing I think is, Chris said a Terminator. <laughs> the fun, the funny thing is, is that I love garbage. I love this song. But if I had to rank the four Brosnan songs, I would put this as third. As much as I fucking love this song. <laughs> And love garbage. So the uh, band. Can you please tell me what's for? You do love garbage. I told you in Goldeneye that Goldeneye was the my least favorite of the Bond songs. Oh, <laughs> the Brosnan oh. song. Sorry, um, but overall, it's it's great, and I love the fact that they also work the the instrumental into scenes throughout this movie. Not as much as they have in previous Bond films, but it's kind of been a thing in the Brosnans we haven't really had, and we loosely get one brief little bit in the next film just because they threw it in there. But this one is sort of the only real Brosnan one where they incorporated into the theme entirely. So, um, yeah, I've, I think I've I've glittered and glowed about it enough uh, to, for Colin to speak. Well, I don't think it's as good as Golden. I think GoldenEye is by far the best of the Brosnan songs. Um, but I'd put this, you know, in my top 10 Bond themes, which I guess is not that far off from Noah's bottom 10. But uh, the thing that really works for the song, like you said, is the fact that it includes the movie music in there. And that's something that helps us feel a little bit more traditional than uh, a lot of the more recent songs. Um, that's basically the way they did them back in, you know, the, the Sean Connery, Roger Moore era, is that John Barry would get together with just a songwriter and you know, come up with a song based on the score they've just written for the movie. And that's what David Arnold tried to do in Tomorrow Never Dies with the much superior Surrender song, as we talked about. And then they shoved it on the end credits. So uh, I'm really glad they have this this old school method, which is really the last time we're going to see this for the rest of the series, uh, at least up until this point of Spectre, where they just write the song around the music that's already in the movie and then just bring somebody in to sing it. Uh, I like that method. I think that that really helps this song and it really helps the music from the rest of the movie too. 
I used to love this song a lot more than I do now. Um, uh, but it's not that it's diminished that much for me. I still think, like you said, the vocals are really great in this. Uh, it's a very haunting song. It's pretty much the only one of the Pierce themes that are kind of haunting. And uh, obviously, it'll be the last great Pierce song we'll have. So <laughs> uh, let's eulogize Pierce Brosnan's uh, somewhat decent <laughs> theme songs right now. Fuck off. The... <laughs> We're, ben and I were supposed to agree in this episode. We're not off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the title sequence, I remember saying, I think it was in the preview for the 90s or uh, in the GoldenEye episode, that all of the, the title sequences going forward were great, with the exception of Quantum of Solace. And this is the second one in a row where I think I want to change my mind a little bit on it. I remember just being blown away by this when I saw it you know, back when I was a teenager and Maybe it's just we all have a thing for oil women. Um, <laughs> outside of that, I don't really get it. And like you said, the, the kaleidoscope colors were very distracting to me this time. I've always kind of ignored them in the past or didn't even notice them, to be honest. Again, despite the fact I've seen this so many times. And the only thing I put in my notes about this is that it's the exact same sequence as Tomorrow Never Dies. It's just the graphics are better. You know, we're having oil silhouettes as opposed to circuit board silhouettes and uh i mean the graphics are fantastic you know 1999 this looks like something from 2005 at least but it's not that exciting and i think that's what i'm missing about goldeneye at this point is goldeneye had so much going on and you know that's really what like the old uh so we talk about the spy who loved me how ridiculous it was it's just, just one thing happening after another sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't like a moonraker but for the most part that's going to work better than just let's have a bunch of silhouettes so I'm going to be interested to see uh, where I would rank the title sequences once we finish Die Another Day because I'm not that overly wowed with them after Tomorrow Never Dies and World Is Not Enough. And I remember loving those when I was younger. But hey, we've got Scorpions and Madonna next film, so you can look forward <laughs> to that. Um, yes. <laughs> let's move into the the main portion of the film. And we start in Scotland. Um, is this the first appearance of going to Scotland? I think it must be. Mm-hmm. Yep. At Robert King's funeral. Um, then we we cut to the kind of the main gang, and we've got Tanner and Robinson. They are different. See, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> the, what happened? Um, <laughs> you have to imagine they got paid a decent chunk for this film. Um, why didn't they just make this one role? Like Robinson was doing fine, Tanner was. They doing delivered the same fine. speech. <laughs> they're both. They're, the only time they talk is when they're talking together, and they're talking about the exact same thing. It's just one of them has a few different lines from the other. It blows my mind. Who thought? Oh, we definitely need Tanner and Robinson in this scene. It's crazy. Like, what is Robinson's role? Tanner is what chief of staff. Then what does Robinson do? He's secretary. Robinson, yeah, Robinson is basically Tanner Smallbone. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it, it's really dumb uh, that they didn't just get one person. Then, speaking of dumb, um, Bond has to get a checkup from Dr. Molly Warmflash. Yes! <laughs> I don't want to say the worst Bond girl in this film, actually. Um, this is ridiculous. This is not funny. It's just like uh, you'd think that both her and Bond would probably get fired for doing this in the workplace, but they get it on. The whole 
oh, she's a hot doctor that James Bond is just going to bang straight away is not even funny. It's just dumb. Um, then we have a really, really, really good scene um, <laughs> where Bond has to go to Q Lab. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> uh, we get a bagpipe gun. Pipe down, 007. That's pretty good. Uh, and we learn that Q, is, that boat was set up for his retirement. He wants to get away from the job and from 007. Um, I'm sure that means nothing until we learn of Q is grooming a little, uh, what would you call it, apprentice to be his replacement. And we meet what James Bond calls R, which <laughs> I always thought that that was his like title and I always thought that was kind of dumb but if you really watch it it's just James Bond who makes up that joke I guess um is he ever referred to as R by anyone else isn't he in the next movie no no I think don't they just call him Q in the next one they call him Q in the next one but then again I mean nobody named CC other than Bond so yeah um so yeah that R thing is Bond's joke this is dumb (gasps) I hate this it's so dumb (gasps) We, I think we'll leave talking about John Cleese as Q for the next film, perhaps. I'm completely on board. Uh, some people are anti-John Cleese Q, and I'll save my opinions more for next time. But I think he's a good replacement. He's perfect replacement for Desmond Llewellyn. But this is something out of a child's movie. Oh, uh, getting trapped in the car with his clothes, and he needs help with that. Then he's trying out the jacket, and... Ah! Help me! Get me out of here! It's ridiculous. It's not funny at all. It's from a kid's film. It's stupid. It's dumb. Um, So, as I said, we'll talk about R or Q, John Cleese, a bit more next film. I'm completely on board, but this scene is just so stupid. I hate his introduction. Um, And then a really cool scene where uh, Q is pretty much saying goodbye to Bond. Um... And, yeah, he basically just says, I've always taught you two things. What is it? Never never show that you're bleeding, is it? And the other one is always have an escape plan. And Q disappears under the floor, and that's the last time we ever see Desmond Llewellyn in James Bond. 17 films, very sad. Um, such a fitting send-off. Like, um, I'm pretty sure they knew that this was going to be his last one. Sadly, he died... I think it was like a week or so after this film was released in a car crash, not even of old age. Um, so at least they got to have a bit of a send-off that they didn't really have with Bernard Lee or uh, Moneypenny. So it's good they got to do that. I freaking love the Q send-off. I hate all the stuff with R. I think it's dumb. But I, I love the way they give Q a person who's pretty much the face of all the James Bond films. He's been in pretty much all of them up until this point. And it's such a great send-off as Q disappears. And I'm sure we'll talk about Desmond Llewellyn in our 90s episode a bit more, but um, such a great scene with some stupid stuff. I think you just need to excuse me. I'm just going to drive down to Snug and pull a stick out of Noah Groves' ass. Like, fuck you. This is great Cigar. stuff. This is fantastic. Like, we'll get to that bit in a minute. Um, Yeah. The Tanner Robinson doesn't bother me. I love both. Uh, I love Robinson. He's great. Um, Tanner's back. Woohoo. Um, I want to see the Tanner Robinson spin-off. <laughs> Tanner and Robinson and MI6. Or a rivalry fighting for M's. <laughs> yes. I, I, I want to get her a present. I want to get her a present. 
Um, I love that when they're handing out all the the dossiers and you know Money Penny goes to like hand one hands one to somebody else and like Bond gives her a look and then like doesn't get one of one and Bond's like get up like wait it's it's a get up. <laughs> and you didn't go Robinson. <laughs> yes, they probably tried that. They're like, oh no, that's too long. Uh, say Tanner. That's why they brought Tanner back just for that one. Scene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like rewrite. Get the guy who played Tanner two films ago. We need him back in this this movie. <laughs> of course, uh, Money Penny would have been there to stop um, Bond going to the doctor, but um, she was too slow. Um, Warm Flash. What? No, this is great. Oh, that was a joke. No. This is this is fantastic. I always thought her name was Warm Flesh. That probably would have been funnier. But um, <laughs> I love this because what makes it great is that obviously this is something that you know it's it's just a regular thing. Because when she's like, "You promised to call me this next time or this time or whatever it is," like, yeah, but that's what Bond and Money Penny is. We don't need this. But Bond and Money Penny don't actually have sex. That's the whole thing. Like this is yeah. That's what makes it good. That's what makes it dumb. I love it. I think it's great. And there's actually a deleted scene where um, straight after he walks out, he gets the sling and puts it on like this um, night night armor that's outside the door, and he goes, oh, "The things we do for England," <laughs> you know, just taking a Roger Moore line. Um, but oh, I love it. I think it's great. It's fun. And then, um, when we see, you know, very shortly that paying particular note to his stamina, I think that's great. So no, nah, you're wrong now. Um, the Q stuff. Yeah. I, I like it all. And I, I'd love kind of the, the interaction at the start, you know, pipe down 007 and, you know, that my fishing boat for my retirement away from you. Like, can we actually see Q, like, you know, spranging down the Thames in this boat with a fishing rod out the side? I go, woohoo! I don't think he wants to be fishing in the Thames. <laughs> Wherever he goes fishing. See how muddy that was? <laughs> well, we haven't been there, Noah. <laughs> I have. Have you? Great. Um... And then when we get introduced, and he's like, I want to introduce you to the young fellow or whatever he says. And um, he comes up and then I love it. That's kind of fun. When John Cleese is like, you know, and you are, this is 007. And it's like, ah, the famous 007 wit, or at least half of it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and then when he's introducing the car and he's like talking about, you know, you know, fully low fully is it fully stocked. I think you mean fully loaded. I think like, I don't pay you to think. <laughs> I love Q. Pay you to do it. Uh, I tell you. Up on R. Like yes. Q's doing what he does to James Bond but with R. And I love the six beverage cup holders. I think that's a fantastic line. Um, and then we get the um, you know, the go show him the jacket and he does the famous um faulty towers line. But of course, like the way he spins and does that. And he's like being a real sarcastic git when he's getting there with the jacket. And it's like, you put your arm in here and you place it in here. Thus, and he's like zipping it up. It's so good. It's like, oh, just pull the tag. But you said, like, that is hilarious. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, we'll talk about John Cleese next film. But I think we mentioned in one of the episodes that when Q was sort of younger, um, that he reminded, like, John Cleese, I think, is the perfect um, replacement for Desmond Llewellyn. Um, but it is, it's incredibly sad. Like, you know, to even if this was always planned to be his last film, to just know that, yeah, he died. Like, I remember as a 12-year-old hearing the news that he died in a car crash, and I was, I was very sad. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been in every single James Bond film except for two of them. 
Um, and, you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to break that record unless Daniel Craig is Bond until he's, like, 90. Like, who the hell is going to do 17 James Bond films? Hopefully not Ben Whishaw. Fuck. But it's... Yeah, it's just sad, and it's a, it's a perfect way to go out. And, Colin, I know you mentioned in the... Um, Tomorrow Never Dies one when they used uh, the the scene between Bond and Q a lot in the trailer. I also always see this one. I think um, using things, especially the the Desmond Llewellyn tribute on the on the DVD slash Blu Ray when they're talking about like I've always tried to teach you two things: never let them see you bleed and always have an escape plan. And they sort of you know mix that up with clips. But um, you know just that look the two share and like there's a line there that um, Bond says when he's like. You're not retiring anytime soon, are you, Q? Like it's just, it's just sad because you just know this is it. Um, but it's, it's, it's still at least though we kind of actually get a send-off scene. Uh, I think you mentioned it, Noah, that like we don't, we didn't really get that with the M's. I mean, I guess we get that with Judy, but um, you know, it's kind of that's it. They're gone. They're gone. And you know, this is at least a farewell to the man. So I'm glad they at least did something there. But uh, if you haven't watched the tribute to him on the on the Blu-ray watch it it's done to nobody does it better and it's it's just perfect it's a great little tribute to him uh, first i just had one quick comment about the funeral sequence where you definitely know the cold war is over because m is wearing her big awkward bolshevik hat huh? <laughs> <laughs> it must have been pretty cold there in scotland um Tanner and Robinson, I mean, we're all on the same page here. They are saying the same words. They are just splitting their lines up where one says one line and the other says the other. And no joke, if you're going to put this down to anything, just say that Robinson is supposed to be the Penelope Smallbone to Tanner. Um, I guess (laughs) if they needed a joke where they finished each other's sentence. (laughs) (laughs) They needed a joke where, where Robinson delivers a line and Tanner's just like, you're here to do what I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing that R is to Q. I want to introduce you so, to the young um, fellow. <laughs> you know, everybody gets an assistant. Like, even the assistants <laughs> have assistants in the James Bond universe. The budget was big in the 90s with the MI6. <laughs> none of these Dembys taking uh, over shit. And none of this merging with other people. <laughs> uh, Warm Flash, I mean, this is no different than the psych evaluator in the car at the beginning of GoldenEye, so I don't know why you have such a problem with this. Um, well, that I definitely the best did, Well, I, I put in my notes, like, this is the epitome of unprofessionalism in the workplace. I, I have to wonder, <laughs> is this how R got his job replacing Q? I mean, <laughs> his warm flash just like, everybody gets a turn at MI6, that's how advancements happen. Uh, that's why uh, there's two tenants. <laughs> exactly. T-boning her. <laughs> we, we didn't need that bit. <laughs> we were not talk about cigars. <laughs> but but I like I love the idea of Warm Flash. I mean we we haven't had Pierce, you know, having unprofessionalism in the workplace really, and this is a total Sean Connery move. I, I mean, it, it is a complete throwback to Thunderball too. So. um yeah, I, I love the warm flash scene. It's hilarious. And we should mention the actress, Serena Scott Thomas, sister to the much more famous Kristen Scott Thomas, who's, you know, Academy Award nominee. Um, I, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen Serena Scott Thomas in anything else uh, other than The World Is Not Enough. Maybe that's her claim to fame. Uh, oh, hold on. IMDb, she's also famous for Relax, It's Just Sex from 1998. <laughs> Which was um, just how she got that. the role. And that, like... that, was, that was the 
the warm flash prequel uh, <laughs> produced by Dick Stamper. Well, and, well, uh... <laughs> let's just look at a Wikipedia page here, Colin. It does say Scott Thomas is known for her portrayal of the character Dr. Molly Warmflash in the 1999 James Bond film. <laughs> I just want to say that name, Molly Warmflash, that's an amazing Bond girl name. <laughs> but I always get it confused because no joke. One time I was looking through the phone book for something and I found that here in Winnipeg, there is a Dr. Mary Warmbroad. And I always look at that. I'm like, I will never forget that name. We have a Bond girl here in Winnipeg named Dr. Mary Warmbroad. So I often mistake the same. So if, if any point in this episode, I refer to Mary Warmbroad, you know who I'm talking Go to her office. She's just banging all the patients on the table. There. <laughs> You need to do an advertisement um, on here, like, 007 supports Mary Warm Broad. Yeah, that's all right. Dental need. Is she a dentist? A doctor? I don't know. I, some type of doctor. I never even bothered to look. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Q scene. Come on. I mean, again, the, the things that you're complaining about, no, this is sort of just backing up my point, you know, that I've, I've made where I'm confused all these years why people complain because... If this is the worst it has to offer, I mean, R getting trapped inside of his coat, GoldenEye, you know, the, the the golden film of this era, we had a guy getting trapped inside of a phone booth with his face ple- pressed up against a glass. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> different. It's not different. It's the exact it same thing. It is, because that's the gags, having random, random Smithers in the background. This is the guy taking over from Q, and it's just dumb. Well... Forgive them for having one of the comic geniuses of the century. Yeah, comic geniuses do some comedy. You don't get trapped in a door. Physical comedy. (laughs) He's John Cleese. What else did you want him to do? John Cleese Um, could read the newspaper and it would be funny. Exactly. John Cleese is amazing in this. And I love that they didn't make him into mini Q. Uh, They made him completely different. They made him a bit of a buffoon in this, which... I was always surprised when Die Another Day came and he played it straight. And I love him playing it straight, too. But in this movie, this is all about Q. And there was no other way to do this. Like, it, it was very important. We're all in agreement that having a final scene for Desmond Llewellyn was the right way to go. But you have to set up the new guy. You, you have to do... It, this is the way that, you know, it should work. This is how Ray Fiennes is introduced in, you know, a movie with Judy Dench. Find a way to introduce the new guy if you can for the better of the series. And if you have John Cleese playing it serious here, and if you have John Cleese being really competent, it, it just, it's like I always complain about the, the Bond girl equals. Is that you're technically just taking away from Bond. You'd be taking away from Desmond Llewellyn. So having him a complete buffoon and Q saying things like, you get to see Q be a complete dick to him, which is awesome. I mean, you're here to do it. I tell you, I always love that line. Yeah. Like he's so mean to him for no reason. This is Q bullying in the workplace. Like I love Q. <laughs> He's such a dick. What's happening at MI6 in the Scotland brand? Yeah, exactly. Bullying, just... sexual misconduct. Well, now we understand why C comes in and has to completely <laughs> absolve everything. I want to see like the sitcom episode where the inspector comes to MI6 and they've all got to be on their best behaviour. I think it's just be like the uh, yeah, superintendent from The Simpsons. Tanner! <laughs> yeah, Tanner! So MI6 the sitcom here. <laughs> well... And, and let's be honest, I mean, in the next movie, we're not exactly seeing them treating government property with respect. I mean, <laughs> Money Penny's masturbating with Q's gadget. <laughs> there are real problems in MI6, and I don't think R is the biggest one of them. She really loves the cigars. 
We needed C 15 years ago. He's 15 years too late. <laughs> Everything with Q's final scene is great. Um, I love John. <laughs> Who cannot love John Cleese? Uh, the 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 like you said, the final moment where he's you know lowered down is always have an escape plan. I mean, that is the perfect way for anybody to go out. I don't even think Judy Dench's send off is nearly as impactful as that. And maybe it's because he was around for so long. But I mean, the the Q and R scenes great. Uh, yeah, I completely disagree with you, Noah. Both of those scenes, Mary Warm Broad and Q and R, awesome scenes. Yes. Uh, Scoffing will... at us. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Sorry, I will I'm, say I'm that... Thinking what Colin um... said. <laughs> <laughs> She's picked up a nasty <laughs> habit ever since the cigar gate. Um <laughs> I will say we've already picked up on it, but it seems like Purvis and Wade really were trying to go back to a more classic style in a lot of ways for this film uh, through a lot of what we've talked about, and we'll talk about a lot more that fit with that. Um, But, yeah, after that, all the MI6 uh, crew just being complete idiots and uh, having to get away from the inspector. We have Bond and M discussing uh, what's happened with King, and we learn about Renard... um, and we'll talk more about him later. Uh, but we learn that he got shot by 009 and it's killing off his senses so he can't feel pain, which is dumb. And eventually he'll die, but for now he can't feel pain and we'll get to him. Uh, we learn that Electra has taken over the production of her father's oil refinery in the Caspian Sea. Um, and they believe that Renard is going to try and kill Electra. Um, so Bond has to go and help Electra because she's a good character. Um, she's the Bond girl and we don't want her to die. Um, so they go to Azerbaijan, or Bond does, um, Azerbaijan, or if this was Eurovision, Azerbaijan! Um, <laughs> five points. And Bond's at Electra's oil refinery. We meet Davidov, um, everyone's favourite henchman. Um, Bond and Electra have a little thing going on here, which just their chemistry is really good, in my opinion. Um, And we'll get to Denise Richards. Um, Bond tells um, Electra that there's maybe an insider who switched her father's pins over. Um, And then Electra wants to go to the snow, and Bond insists that he goes. So we have a scene where they jump off the helicopter and <laughs> down the hill skiing. Um, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, where's BB? <laughs> and just I have to wonder if Bond didn't go, was that other guy going to go? Because it doesn't seem right to just drop Electra off in the middle of nowhere and just fly off. What if Bond wasn't there? Uh, but anyway. And they're skiing happily, and then four little Nellies show up um, <laughs> coming after. So Bond's going to try and lead the Nellies off um, in a really just a scene that is really just action for action's sake, but it's a really cool scene, though. One of my favourites of the film, even though it's just random that it's even happening. Like, it's you only live twice of just henchmen, henchmen, henchmen. Um, but it's really cool as Bond skis down, the Nellies chase him. He ends up getting a few of them uh, whacking into trees and we've got all this cool stuff going on. 
And then a really cool one where he manages to make one go off the cliff and he makes a pun, I'll see you at the lodge. And then out shoots the parachute and it comes around and that's really one of my favorite moments of it. And he shoots that. They blow up and uh, Electra is safe. No need to worry. The Nellies have been destroyed. We'll probably cap it there. I really like this skiing sequence. Um, going back to MI6 in Scotland, um, yeah, I love it when um, M's talking about it and like, don't make this personal. And then he like quits, which is a perfect comeback because M's making it personal. And he's like, I'm not. Are you? <laughs> Um, and yeah, when he's do- doing that whole thing on the computer, those giant ass monitors that, you know, that really dates this film when we've got like giant monitors, which happen to be touch screen. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, um, I love the big hologram, um, bit there with Renard and, you know, Bond can put his finger in his bullet hole. <laughs> but like, I... I always hear, and we'll obviously get to Renard more, but I, I hear a lot of complaints about this film are about Renard, and they think it's stupid that you've got this villain who can't feel pain, and that he gets stronger as he goes on, and kind of alluded to that in Tomorrow Never Dies, that was kind of their originally a sort of a plan for Stamper, but then they brought in this. I've always loved this as like a quirk. I've just thought it was great. It's like a, it's a great Bond villain quirk to have. Like, he can't feel pain. Like, it's just... I think it has potential. And we'll talk about that more later. I don't know. I just, I've just always, I've always liked it. Um, I love. There's a real bitch money penny scene here when um, you go, she goes hands on and it's like notice, you know, a particular stamina. And I can't remember what she says to to Warm Flash. Um, and then she like walks past and like totally shades her. It's like, mm-hmm, I'm money penny. Fuck you, bitch. And then just, like, walks off. Like, I just love that little moment. And Samantha Bond would bloody well kick Serena Scott Thomas's ass. Let's be honest there. Um, I love when M sends him off and is talking about, you know, I need you to shadow Electra. And remember, shadows stay in front or behind, never on top. Well, it depends on what positions Bond like, actually, there, M. But anyway, um, we go to Azerbaijan. Um, yeah, we great moments there. I've always wondered why does Electra have an accent? Like her dad's Scottish or British or whatever. Like I'm guessing her mum was French. <laughs> is that ever explained? Um, and I love the fact her mum is Monica Bellucci. Yeah, well, obviously. Um, I love the fact that when, like, you know, she's basically telling him to, like, go away. Like, I've trust MI6 twice. I won't make the mistake the third time. And then it's just kind of like, piss off Bond. It's like, I need to go check the survey lines. And Bond's like, I've always wanted to go check the survey lines. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bond's sitting around his apartment in London. I really wish I could go check some survey lines. <laughs> like, why? Um... I love this whole, the skiing stuff. Uh, this is what Brosnan's only skiing sequence. All Bonds seem to have a skiing, uh, you know, scene. We haven't really had Craig ski, have we? We've seen him in the snow. But um, but I've, I've, I wonder, like, when the helicopter has to, like, land and, like, it's too windy, we can't la- land. We can't land. Like, he's, he's about a metre from the ground. And then she's like, <laughs> hold it steady. It's too windy to land. How is he meant to hold it steady? <laughs> and like, just above, the, just land. Lazy ass helicopter pilot. Um, yeah, and the whole the parahawk sequence is great. And yeah, the bit you were talking about, no, I absolutely love that. Again, just going into the Brosnan book of the best. Like, 
this is just this is just Bond. He's killed someone, one line a pun, that's it. But then, you know, no, he's not dead. His facial expression is gold. He's just so like <laughs> cocky, like, see you back at the lodge. And he comes up and he just goes, Ugh. and then he just like keeps going. Oh, it's so good. Um and yeah, that it's just I love it. And uh, did we mention Davidov? We did back beforehand. We sort of we met him, didn't we? Um, I will get to Davidov. He's, there's more to come of him, but he's apparently big enough to put on posters in some countries. But we'll probably get to that as well. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised Noah uh, glossed over this. But Ben, the scene between Bond and M, like I'm surprised we're not talking more about that. You know, we mentioned how like, Roger Moore had that great dramatic scene with. Um, with Anya and Spy Who Loved Me and, you know, Sean Connery had that great scene with Red Grant on the train. This is probably Pierce Brosnan's best dramatic scene. I mean, both of them are just 100% on their game uh, in I this scene. I reckon there's another scene in this movie that's better, but anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> of course, you start the episode, Colin and I are going to agree, <laughs> and then every chance you get, you just have to dig... No, 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 there's a better one, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> when he meets Christmas, I mean... <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, I love that scene with Bond and Emma. I mean, even just their attitudes are completely different. And you really have like these highs and lows. And this is where Pierce Bros made really smart acting choices in this because he comes in there all aggressive. And then when he sees that M is getting very defensive, he gets almost like quiet and sympathetic. And he's like, tell me what happened. You know, like it's such a great scene and there's so much going on there. And this is the first time we really get to see M in any light uh, in the series where it's the stories about her. We get to see her weakness or even, you know, before her, it was him. We've never seen this before. And this is one of those areas where this Bond movie was different from other movies. Uh, it's very much following, you know, a classic formula as we talked about with purpose and Wade made this feel like a classic Bond movie, but there's a lot of little things that are done that set this apart. And uh, you could almost consider this to be the precursor to the Daniel Craig's because it's so involved with M and the plot is really about her. And as I said, at the start of the episode, the plot really works in this movie, even compared to golden iron tomorrow never dies where they kind of had ideas and they said, how do we, you know, fit this all together? That M and bond seems fantastic. Um, it's not as iconic as the one in their office in golden eye, but as far as, you know, the acting that these two have Judy Dench appears, Brosnan, this is them, you know, in their prime in this series. And it's uh, not um, like the GoldenEye one is M is calling him a misogynistic dinosaur. Mm-hmm. He is calling her a woman. Like this <laughs> one is just James Bond and M. It's not yeah. this, this is this and this is this and, oh, I'm a woman, but I've got balls. So it's more yeah, is- classic in a way. And I think that's why it's more of a forgotten scene, even though it shouldn't be, because it's just furthering the plot. But this is furthering a plot in ways we've never seen involving M before. And I think there was definitely a shift we talked about in GoldenEye, how Judy Dench was famous, but she wasn't Judy Dench yet. And at this point, I'm pretty sure Judy Dench has at least received one of, or, or I think two Oscar nominations between GoldenEye and this. And they're really, they're really capitalizing on that here she involving M. She, I think she won for Shakespeare in Love mm. just the year before this. Um, she missed you know, out on the other one because her hair was too short. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> ben didn't approve. Yeah, I voted no. 
<laughs> when we when we meet Electra, let's forget about Davidoff here. Am I the only one who saw her other henchmen and thought, Mr. Kills? <laughs> yes, I thought that too. <laughs> and he's, he's, actually, he's actually, I'll just quickly point out, um, he was well known in Australia. Um, he was a gladiator in this country. And I remember seeing yeah. this movie going, oh my God, it's Vulcan! Because he played Vulcan in Gladiators here in Australia. So anyway. Yeah, I was reading up on him and I wondered if you, you had, either of you had seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this guy, he looks exactly like Mr. Kill. And Mr. Kill's uh, I, I don't know if uh, why I never noticed that before now. And, you know, it's very obvious. They're both featured pretty prominently as background characters. Um, okay, I'll talk more about Electra later on. Electra is fantastic. And the ski scene especially really shows, especially the aftermath of that. That really shows what the strength is of her character because she is completely believable as both this, you know, frightened uh, girl with PTSD and also this sadistic villain with PTSD. But I'm going to disagree a little bit on the whole Parahawk sequence. I think the action is fantastic. And this is where Michael Apted has both a strength and a weakness in the series. His action scenes are fantastic. They look great in and of themselves. But he does struggle, whereas he doesn't struggle to make the story feel natural. He does struggle sometimes with these action scenes. You kind of mentioned, Ben, like, you know, oh, it's too windy to land. Well, that's a coincidence. You know, first of all, is there no way that they could do this without skiing? Like, and they didn't even make arrangements for somebody to pick them up. I mean, I, I highly doubt this is the most convenient way to check the survey lines. We have nothing to declare. <laughs> <laughs> They're already in a helicopter. Couldn't they just fly over it and look like she's a busy woman here? She's fighting off uh, uh, Russians and terrorists and uh, you know people who are trying to save their their religious temples. And well, I have time to take a little bit of a skiing vacation to do something I could just do from the helicopter I'm already in. And then the fact that when they get there, you just have these, like, it's not just somebody's coming to kill them. We talk about random henchmen and you only live twice. This, that's what this feels like to me. And even when I saw this the first time and, you know, being a teenager and figuring James Bond can do no wrong, this still bothered me even then. Um, and again, that's not to take away from the action scene itself. The action is fantastic in this, but it really takes me out of the movie a little bit. It feels a little bit too tacked on. Uh, you know, having said that, I mean, the, the staging of it is fantastic. Like you said, the moment where you think he's killed somebody and then all of a sudden the look on his face is priceless. Um, but I would have rather they just spent a little bit more time trying to make this feel more natural. Can I just, I just want to quickly ask a question. You, you sort of jokingly mentioned it, I think, Noah, about, um, you know, what if she had gone by herself? Given the plot, spoiler alert, Electra's evil, um... <laughs> I mean, obviously, these people uh, we find out are there really to kill Bond. So, if Electra doesn't, if Bond doesn't go with Electra, those guys aren't there. Um, otherwise, they're killing their own person because Renard sent those people after Bond. So, yeah, I'm just trying to work out whether or not if Electra did go by herself, these people don't show up. Yeah, yeah probably not. And they would be waiting in their little Nellies and go, oh, I really want us to go today. Because <laughs> it, it kind of and bothered me. Like, I guess the other thing. I was, I was just going to quickly well, say it bothered me that like they weren't, they don't go after Electra 
And I think it finally clicked after me in this point. I'm like, oh, okay, they don't go after electric because they're on electric side, duh. <laughs> well, the thing that's bothering me now that I really think about it is it's too windy for this big-ass helicopter to land, <laughs> yet these little tiny little machine shits go completely fine. <laughs> what happened to it being too windy five Snowmobiles on parachutes. I think okay Muddy Penny's flying that helicopter. She's shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. You need to see where they're like, epic music and them getting up and then when they finally get up to the altitude, they're just ah, rocking around, just all crashing down <laughs> because it's too windy. What happened to that? Jeez. They're brave. They're brave parahawk <laughs> people. And the dead, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we should also mention uh, some of the backstory that was there that uh, Electra was kidnapped by Renard in the past and uh, M uh, stopped King from paying the ransom, which means M pretty much screwed over both of the kings, really. Um, and I love her line where she's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists or something. Well, they're Thunderbolt. Yes. Uh, oh, well, we better give them the money. <laughs> it's like, well, you've changed your stance, British government, in like 30 yeah, years. Yeah, this is a new M. She's, she's got balls. She does. Um, she's got bowlers. Um, so, yeah, they've changed their, their policy on what they do with terrorists, at least. Um, but uh, after that, um, we also didn't mention the stupid Q jacket thing already has come into play in Electric. And um, oh, Electra, calm down. And yeah, after I, that, I was saying, that was the one part I liked was because it really sells Electra how believable she is. Mm. Like when we get to the later in the movie, it's really important that you have a scene like this because Bond is completely fooled by her for the most part, and when she's like, I don't want to spoil it later on, but near the end, she's so convinced in her persuasion that you know she doesn't think somebody will pull the trigger on her. I mean, that's a great moment, especially when you look at it in retrospect later on. Great acting. No, I, I agree say, with Great that. acting. I agree yeah. with everything. It's just the whole, the prop is dumb. Um, I like the prop. You like everything. Wouldn't we have had, like, Bond like? and... We could have had Bond and Electra inside going... <laughs> <laughs> I just want them getting trapped um, and then it zooms out and there's this huge place here and you just see this little ball in the middle of nowhere. Help! Somebody help us! Well, and there's no one around. Himself from an avalanche. We saw the last avalanche he was I was always bothered by how quickly he rips this jacket open. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's about three seconds. How many avalanches last three seconds? Yeah, that's where the snow just all collapses in and they die. Um... But moving on, we're in Baku. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Bond visits Electra, and she wants to see you. And Davidov gets a bit excited, but no, um, <laughs> she wants to see Bond. Not so you, Davidov. Davidov rejected. Uh, story of his life. Um, he's the new Vargas. Um, so they 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 meet, and he said, uh, "They're after you. You need protection." And she's. Very resistant, but great chemistry here between the two, and this is just building upon their relationship, which is great. Um, and then Bond goes to the casino, and another scene I hate is the X-ray glasses. Oh. Uh, you know that I'm all for over-the-top Bond, but I, this doesn't work for me. It's just dumb, um, and it just looks dumb, but I, I and just Bond perving on all the girls... Um, 
I love that, like, almost everyone in that casino has a gun, though. Like, I just imagine, like, an inglorious bastard scene taking place or something where everyone's just in a shootout. Um, I think that's the film. But, yeah, it's, I don't like it. I just think it looks really stupid. And But, yeah, as I said, the guns are kind of cool. Um, and then we meet an old friend because uh, Bond's forcing a random henchman guy to let him in. And Valentin Zakovsky is back after Goldeneye. Um, so I guess that's good to see him again. I, I think we talked a bit about his role in this film um, when we did Goldeneye. And I'm happy to see him back. They really are building upon this world of just recurring characters between Wade and uh, Robinson and Tanner and um, now Zakovsky. So I think it's fun to see him back. In a way, it is a bit forced the way they work him into the plot. But ultimately, I think it works and it was a good decision to have him back. Um, So they have a meeting and uh, we learn more about Renard that the KGB let him go. He was too much to handle even for them. And he works as a freelance terrorist. Um, We have a pretty shit card-playing scene between Electra and Valentin. Uh, and that's where we first hear there's no point in living if you can't feel alive, which I wish she sung that bit. That would have been good. Um, maybe we'll just cap it off there and quickly talk about this casino scene. Um, I'm happy to see Zakovsky back. He he delivers in this film. He's better in Goldeneye, but it's still cool. Um, I love the the chemistry we keep mentioning between uh, Bond and Elektra. Like... <laughs> I got told off for my uh, Dalton Cara one in Living Daylights. Uh, let me just put it out there. Brosnan and Sophie, probably one of the best uh, chemistry between two actors in all the Bond films. It's it's just great. And I love this kind of vulnerability that she has. And then kind of it's really then when we've got this scene where she's, you know, really slutting up to him. And he's just, you know, he's there being, you know, uh, unbond-liked and being professional. Like, I can't do that. I can't, you know, go there. Um, thought we got over calling people the S word, Ben. What's special? Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't play those sound effects in this uh, this show anymore. Noah grows. Um, I just like the whole, <laughs> the whole scene. Great news, but I miss that pre-production meeting. But I'm happy to hear. <laughs> don't make me play fart sounds. Um. <laughs> Please don't make don't tempt you. Just don't mention glute. Um, now, <laughs> um, I've lost my point. At the casino, I love the glasses. How do you not love the glasses? The glasses are hilarious. Like, oh, they're just they're so good. The only gripe I have about the glasses is that we don't get a cue scene introducing them. Like, I I love them, and I just. The scene where he's there and he's just, you know, got them on and he's checking out, like... Actually, we, we see them, don't we, in the cue bit when he puts them on and he looks at um, R and he kind of has that reaction, like he's, like, checking out R with no clothes on. But, um, yeah, I just... I love the bit and we've got those two girls that, like, one's got a knife, one's got a gun and, you know, he's there with that guy, like, I'm here to see Zukovsky and um, he comes on and gets the knife on his, um, his tie and... Oh, it's great. And he drinks the drink like a bastard while he's got this guy choking to death. 
and we meet Goldie and we get the whole little, um, you know, after you, no, after you, I insist. Like, I love that little, you know, moment that comes back later on. And yeah, I love, like, Zikoski, I think, yeah, I don't know, it was Goldeneye when we were mentioning, and I think uh, you know, and you sort of come around in there, I don't know if Colin also mentioned it too, that you didn't sort of see why he was in this film. I, I guess... Look, I think it's great, and because like you just picture it, like who else would this be? Like this is just some random character. Why not bring back Zukovsky? I think it fits perfectly for the type of character he is, and it all just you know got that you know repertoire between the two already. It's Hagrid. It's fantastic, um, and I love like his one liner. You know, why am I suddenly uh, you know think I don't have enough insurance or whatever he says? Like it's just fantastic, and he's like, "This is Nina." And is it? I can't remember the other name of the other lady. But um, talking about him when he's like saying, mini. "We need to have another uh, mini driver." No, <laughs> where was she? She was in the back somewhere. Um, Thank you, you and I need to have a drink. And I just point out we didn't mention before with M. Notice in every single M and Brosnan scene that she's always drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Dame, yeah, Dame Judy and Bond are drinking buddies. I think they go to Tokyo. Um, I don't think they're drinking. Die and has day. alcoholism. That's what she really died from. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, the whole um card sequence. I love the fact that when they're going out there to see Electra, there's like the random Asian guy getting dragged out of the casino. Like it's just, it just always makes me laugh. You see this like guy like going, ah! like getting thrown out. Um, but I, one thing I should say is I really think that I, I know you kind of, I think Noah said in Goldeneye that Pierce is really warming up to his role in, in Goldeneye and, you know, he wasn't quite, I mean, I think his performance in Goldeneye is fantastic. I'd probably argue, well, deserved enough is probably his best performance as Bond. I think he just, there's just so many layers to his portrayal of Bond in this film that is fantastic. And, like, you know, we see in this scene there where it's, you know, this really sort of dicey scene about how they just get rid of $1 million on the table and just we're sort of seeing Bond really trying to calculate it. And, you know, we'll get to the scene which I think is one of the, the most, just the best acted scenes in all of Bond history later on. Um, and I just think Brosnan plays it so well. But um, I just think that... There are so given the, the complexity to this storyline, um, Brosnan plays it perfectly, and they they really also just going back to Elektra and Sophie's at Marceau. Is that how you say your last name? Um, Marceau. Yeah, just they couldn't have picked better actors. I mean, well, they could have with uh, Denise Richards, but we'll get to that. But yeah, it's it's so and good. Davidoff. And oh, Davidoff's not that bad. Come on, <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think I've said my. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing more to add, but at the same time, you can't say enough about Brosnan and Marceau's chemistry in this movie. Um, this is something that I think often there's a lot of criticism, you know, especially with the Roger Moores and even some with the Daniel Craigs about just casting these 20 something Bond girls for this 40 something year old man. And if, if you look at it, Brosnan had pretty close to his own age in almost every movie. You know, obvious some exceptions with some of the secondary ones like Christmas. I mean, Christmas is the secondary girl in this. Uh, but for the most part, they, they cast more experienced actors uh, who are a little bit closer in age to him. And I think that's one of the things that really stand out with the Brosnans. Outside of Electra, I don't know if any of their characters are that memorable. You know, obviously Xenia, but that's more of a, a henchman. But this is something that really helps getting, you know, really established actors to play opposite Pierce. And uh, 
their scenes are fantastic. And it also, again, comes down to the writing. I mean, the electric character is written so well. It's so believable that even as an audience member, I've seen this who knows how many times. Usually you think when a plot twist has been thrown on you, that the next time you go back and watch, you're kind of looking for the moments where, okay, well, I can see that this was where they were setting up. I still get fooled by it every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. still moments you know, where, where Electra does turn later where I'm like, oh, that's handled so well. So yeah, I mean, her, her scenes are great with Brosnan no matter what. Um, the casino one, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as high on it as Ben is. I'm not quite as down on it as Noah is. I think that this, it's another one of those scenes that feels in a way a little bit tacked on. Uh, again, the story flows very well, but some of these scenes are like, okay, well, we've got to have a casino scene. We have to have the martini. We have to, you know, have a gadget in here. The glasses are really there just for a gadget. But at the same time, the glasses make sense. I don't know why he's not wearing these glasses in every movie. <laughs> if they have this technology, why is he not walking around with sunglasses all the time? Plus, it makes him look cool. So <laughs> I'm voting for the sunglasses to come back in the next Bond movie. But yeah, like you mentioned, how he disarms that guy and stabs him through the tie with the knife and downs his drink. It's just, he, he totally has the swagger that Timothy Dalton was missing. That's what I love about Pierce is that he really has the swagger more than anybody since Connery. He has that. And Zukovsky, um, I don't know if he fits as naturally in this, but he probably should now that we think about it. I mean, really, what was his role in the last one? He was just a contact who had some information and that's what he is in this. And it makes sense based on the region he's living in, that this is the type of guy that you'd go to. Uh, I love that they've, I will say maybe it's because he has more screen time in this, but I think that he's almost more memorable for this than his one scene in Goldeneye because he has a lot of involvement. This scene, not the best one he's going to have in the movie, obviously, but it's still fun. It's got everything you want. It, I think his henchmen are a bit, not, not that his henchmen are a letdown because I think Goldie, is a great henchman. It's such a surprising choice. Again, you're taking this, what do you call the musicians? <laughs> um, techno artists, what do you call them? Ben, you, you're, you're into this type of garbage. DJ? <laughs> uh, you have this <laughs> what DJ. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> Goldie. You don't know who Goldie is? I know who Goldie is, but what, 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 what are we trying to figure out what he is? Well, what do you call it? He's not a musician. He's not playing a, an instrument or anything. He's still a musician uh, if you're a, a civilian? DJ. Well, he, <laughs> well if, when you were working for the Brink, were you a, a musician because you were a DJ? So he's a radio host. <laughs> yeah. Well, well electro, Goldie, a, electro music Goldie and techno music shop. is still music, Colin. They're still musicians. Well, <laughs> depends on your opinion. Um, so is he a musician? He's a musician. Fine. You have what this musician. Play? He plays other people's music and remixes it. I don't know. Oh, so he owns a CD player. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's a CD player owner. I think that. Sounds right. there, now we've cleared that up. Let's get on with his role in the film. Richard Goldie. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he was fairly famous in the '90s, and that's definitely not my style of music, but. I, I knew who he was going into this movie. I remember thinking, like, wow, Goldie's in a Bond movie. And he's he's kind of that great weaselly henchman that you don't see often enough. And I, I really like him for that reason. You know, I, the introduction with Pierce is great. Uh, his Everything he everything he has is great in this movie. I, I, I think that Goldie's one of the best. Or what is his name? Bullion in this? A pretty obvious choice for his character name. 
but a great character. Uh, but we do have to say, if you look at Zukovsky in GoldenEye to Zukovsky here, Zukovsky just folds at whatever Pierce says here. He had him at gunpoint in GoldenEye. So what happened to all of his good henchmen that had Pierce as the one who was afraid the first time around? Like, are these guys all laid off or something? They ran off they, with Mini Driver. Yeah, they're all Mini <laughs> they, they all died in the Parapod chase. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the scene's good. It, it is a very forced, though, when Electra comes in. And I understand why. This is not where I'm saying some of the other scenes are forced. But where she comes in and just casually drops the money, there's a reason for that. Um <laughs> When I saw it the first time, it was a scene that definitely bothered me. So if this is something somebody's watching the first time, it feels stupid that they just have this scene where she comes in and loses a million dollars and just walks out. But, of course, there's a reason for it later on, which pays off well. So, yeah, I like Zukovsky in this. And I think that this, again, was where the cast is really shining the movie. It doesn't matter if some of the scenes aren't that memorable. You have a great cast to back it up and a great CD player owning guy. <laughs> uh, so next up after that... Um... We see that Davidov goes to meet Renard because he's actually working with Renard. Of course, we don't know about Electra at this point. Um, and I love the way they do it. Like they make it like he gets captured and he's like, shoot him. And they they try to build this tension. Like the audience would be like, oh, no, not not Davidov. No, don't kill him. I don't know why they're building this thing that we should be worried that Davidov is about to be killed. Leave Davidov alone. So what? Um, So it's just funny. Shoot him. No, Davidov. But alas, it is Arkov, I believe his name is. Um, Is that his name? Arkov, yeah. So he gets killed instead. Um, Arkov. <laughs> Not this guy we just met, um, which practically we just met Davidov too. Um, but Davidov lives to fight or die another day. Um, Bond is snooping around the offices and he finds um, Arkov in the the boot or the trunk. Um, and we said, "Not Davidov." Well, yes, Davidov, because <laughs> Davidov takes. A bit of a death right here in the hands of James Bond. Um, so, bye bye, Davidov. Do we want to eulogize Davidov? No, we don't. Um, uh-huh. And then Bond standing in as Davidov. Davidov is such a central character in this film. He's, <laughs> he's his own poster, Noah. <laughs> yes, he's got a poster. <laughs> We've so got to put the Davidov poster on the poster yes. of this. Uh, <laughs> yes, so. And then we have the guy coming up, and I thought Davidov was coming. Well, he couldn't make it. He's so um, popular. He Everyone loves Davidov. <laughs> <laughs> I want Davidov. I'm not leaving until Davidov comes. Um, Davidov yes. had the green. What does he say? Yeah, um, yeah, that's funny. So Bond's standing in for Davidov, and he joins. Uh, uh, who are they're Renard's men? But I'm not sure if they've got a certain title. But uh, they're going in a plane. <laughs> uh, musicians, I think they're called. CD um, owners. <laughs> Bond joins as Davidov into the plane, and they're heading for Kazakhstan. Of course, they need to tell us it's like Asia or something because this is pre-Borat. Um, and then a weird scene because he says Bond is not Davidov. He's now posing as Dr. Arkov. And the guy, when they land, he says... 
Dr. Arkov, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, well, weren't the guys that he was getting on the plane with expecting Davidov? So why is it suddenly Arkov? Oh, wait, never mind. That's stupid because they killed Arkov. But then if he admires Arkov's work so much, wouldn't he know that Arkov does not look like Remington Steele um, and he looks like a big fat, chubby broccoli russian guy he just um, read it he could just be like a, a pa- no i guess so but do you know what all your dumb. people in your uni classes notes look like no i just do it because i want to pass i don't <laughs> give a freak whatever uh l john arkov is and what he wrote about framing i just <laughs> i don't admire him unlike uh, ever, uh, this guy does so I don't know if you admire someone you generally know what they look like don't you anyway moving on um, so uh, at the 58 minute mark we hear a wonderful American accent <laughs> and we're introduced to one of the best characters to appear um, in James Bond it is Christmas Jones she's here hello everyone welcome the the bullshit that is Denise Richards. Uh, Do we hear fart noises whenever we hear her name? Yeah, the dick stamper of an actor to appear in this film. Um, I don't know what to say because I generally, when people hate on things, I try and just look at different angles and try not to just join the pack of hating them. Hello, when we get to next film, but... Um, this is shit. She's so bad. <laughs> she has a reputation for a reason. It's horrible. Not only is the character horrible, the actor, actress, Denise Richards, is just terrible. No wonder she won a Razzie. It, it's, it's really bad. Um, the character just coming off Waylin and Natalia, it's just really bad. Even Pam is better. It's just, oh, this involves... a nuclear bomb in a huge part of the plot so we've got a nuclear physicist and she's going to tack along and be an annoying little shit um we may as well talk about christmas jones and get it out of the way she adds nothing to this film i don't think she should have existed in the film they should have kept it at electra and make the main villain the bo- main bond girl as well because the chemistry between bond and so good that we keep talking and then they tacked on this christmas shit that she, there's no chemistry. The character is dumb. They're trying to go for like a Lara Croft thing when she takes off all her clothes. I believe that Tomb Raider was out at that point, wouldn't it? Probably. The game, um, not the movie. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the game. Um, okay. Care about. Yeah, no one cares about the Tomb Raider movie. <laughs> Daniel Craig was <laughs> in it. Daniel Craig. No, he yeah, doesn't even care about it. Yeah, I don't think he, he doesn't care about James Bond. He doesn't care about anything he does. <laughs> I will slip my wrist if I'm ever in another Tomb Raider movie. (laughs) No, you're going to see Elevation by U2. That was in Tomb Raider. God, Noah. No one cares about Tomb Raider. Except for Davidol. I like Tomb Raider. Uh, Oh, but you like Davidol. Ben. (laughs) I feel ashamed to agree with you in this episode. You two are on a team. Pipe down, Colin Hilding. <laughs> uh, just heads up, we're not going to be having any episodes on Tomb Raider. Um, so sorry if you're a big fan. 
But we'll talk about Tomb Raider, Lara Croft, Ripoff, Christmas Jones. Uh, I, I don't know where I'm going, so I'll let one of you two talk about it because, again, I try and turn the other cheek and just try and think of something different to say. But she's shit! Easily one of the worst, if not the worst, Bond girls who's tacked onto this plot and is annoying. So I'm just repeating myself. So, Ben, I fear what you're about to say here because when it comes to the films you like, you seem to find a way to defend anything, even if it's a (laughs) blinking fish. So tell me your thoughts on Christmas Jones. We'll get to Christmas Jones. You've covered a fair bit before that. Um, Renard, I love the whole devil's breath scene and the, the rocks and the fire and... Um, you know, getting to meet Renard. And can I just point out Davidov? I feel sorry for Davidov. Like, he's not like Vargas or Hans, who's just a villain who's shit. Like, you just analyse everything that Davidov is in this film. He's, he's the loyal servant of Electra. Then, you know, in comes Bond. He's trying to turn him away. He's like, no, turn back. Oh, I'm Bond. Oh, come on in. And then, you know, doesn't Electra doesn't listen to him, arrives in a helicopter, then doesn't get to go check out the survey lines, then, you know, gets called upon, but no, it's for Bond, not Davidoff. So Davidoff's like, no. Oh. And then, like, you know, he gets a night off and he's going off taking selfies of himself in that little shipping container thing to put on the bit. And he finally gets called out for his big job with Renard and rocks up in his car and he just gets killed. Like... Davidoff doesn't do anything wrong in this film. I I'm feel... surprised Davidoff didn't kill himself. I by feel the way, sorry for him. I can see him sitting in a bar. Writings listening... on the wall was written about. Well, I was about Davidoff. to say that. I can hear, see him sitting there listening to Sam Smith going, "How do I live? How do I breathe? <laughs> when you're not here, I'm suffocating." That's Davidoff. Um, poor Davidoff. Davidoff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Look buy the Davidoff me. poster and I'm gonna put it up in my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Did Arkov get a poster? I don't know. I, I, just, in reference, if people don't know what we're talking about, there's a book, a James Bond poster book out, and each, it sort of goes through each film, and it shows like international... Ben can't read, so he's got the James <laughs> got the Bond poster. the pretty picture book. It's got like um, all the international posters for each movie, and for The World Is Not Enough, they literally release like posters for like actors, like, like Cigar Girls got like a poster for like the... Portuguese or Spanish market and yeah because the actor who played Davidov was Danish so they released like the Denmark poster with a big picture of Davidov and he's like standing there in his suit (laughs) can you imagine the date oh yeah let's go see what is not enough for Davidov (laughs) no they killed off Davidov Oh my god, it's 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 so funny. We they're very heavy on the the Danes in the last couple of Brosnan films. He's brushing up on a little Danish, and then poor old Davidov is killed. Um, I love Bond's gadget, the credit card, when it like opens up things. That's awesome. I love the whole bit when Bond's like meeting up there, and he's like getting on the plane, and he's like, oh, he's buried with work, and then it's like, oh, did you bring it? Have you got the grease? <laughs> Just with that bag. And it's like, you think, well, what's in this? What's in it? They're fucking sneakers. (laughs) These guys are so happy and excited for these ugly blue shoes. (laughs) It's just, it's so random, but it's just, I just, I think it's hilarious. Um... It should be sad, because Davidov wasn't Yeah, I know. Like, Davidov's alive at the party. Like, you know? Oh. Um, yeah... Christmas Jones. Christmas Jones. Um, the ca- I like the character. The character, in essence, is an, a good idea because 
I can probably see your point. Take it out. It's not going to affect the film. But if you take her out, what's Bond doing in a lot of these scenes? Like, you know, in the pilot. Why does Bond know all about nuclear fission? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, the character is an idea. I just... The, Denise Rich, like... Denise Richards is good to look at, but she's not good to listen to and everything else in relate. Like, I don't get why Denise Richards wants to try a hand at a film like this. She's okay in like a scary movie or a, was it Wild Things or whatever it was when she's like. Well, I actually think it was Charlie Sheen's dream to have um, a Bond girl <laughs> wife. So that's why she's in. Winning. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, like. I remember watching this when I was younger and just fucking loving her, like as a 12-year-old. I mean, why wouldn't I love her? She's in a white top at the end underwater. Of course you're going to love Denise Richards. I mean, hello. But <laughs> other than that, like watching this now, like I know you two think I have questionable opinions, but I want to go back to 12-year-old Ben Waterworth and shoot him in the dick. Like what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> Like oh. you do realize, if you somehow manage to harness the power of time and going back and shooting yourself in the dick, would affect your future uh, practicing. Well, did you think this through, or are we are we really concerned about, about me reproducing? Considering my opinions, isn't that a, a good service <laughs> to the world? Is yeah, that, but then you don't have anything to urinate out of. At least think of at least a practical use. You cut a hole How in there and this get the some in-depth discussion we've had so far. <laughs> I'm sure there's gonna be a bladder like with a hose. Like I'm sure they can I'll, bladder hose. I'll go see Doctor Warmbroad. She'll be able to hook me up. Literally, um, <laughs> Doctor Warmbroad will have some of the bladder hose in for you. Um, this is what happens when you've got Denise Richards. You end up talking about t- Ben's time-travelling dick. <laughs> the thing, the thing that, like, as I said, I like the character, but, like, can we honestly think that Denise fucking Richards is a nuclear scientist? Like, they, they could have put Paris Hilton in this role and it's probably more believable. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. Like, can we, we can at least say that she's the only James Bond actress to win an award for her portrayal of being a James Bond actress in the worst actress category at the Razzies. Although I think, actually, <laughs> hang on, I think Madonna might have won one in the next film. But anyway, we won't, get, we won't mention that. And Halle Berry got one, didn't she? Not for Die Another Day. She got it for Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I seriously yeah, she's think, a career loser. There's I, a I, difference. <laughs> I actually honestly think Madonna did win one too. But <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Well, Davidoff, I got nothing really to add on him oh. because his poster is the most interesting thing about him. Um <laughs> I can't honestly tell you as many times I've seen this, if I ever would have remembered his name had Ben not shown us that poster months ago. (laughs) (laughs) He's so boring. Uh, I I like Pierce's whole sneaking out at night thing. Um, I don't know if either of you played the video game. This is, again, just like the movie, kind of an unfairly criticized video game. I love The World Is Not Enough video game, and this level was one of my favorite parts for some reason, where you get to sneak out and take over, you know, Davidoff. <laughs> you get to play as Davidoff in a video game. You actually get to play as <laughs> Davidoff's level with. Oh, <laughs> I'm so buying it. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna jump on the Renard scene a little bit. I think that it's a good introduction. 
I don't think it's a great introduction. I feel like this should have been a lot bigger. You know, we're coming off of the iconic reveal of Sean Bean coming back in Golden Eye. We all said how good and how over the top Carver's introduction was, even though I don't think Carver's as good of a villain as Renard. I think that this should have been a lot bigger. I mean, the location is interesting. And I also just don't think that Robert Carlyle really fit the part as well. Um, at least in this early part, maybe it was an early scene filmed and he wasn't as comfortable. It just doesn't really work for me that well. I just, I want something a lot bigger. I want something a lot more sadistic than, you know, uh, kind of a heated rock and, and some type of outdoor sauna. I also just want to mention how unusual it was at the time to see Robert Carlyle as a Bond villain. Cause even though I was fairly young and he hadn't been around for very long, I mean, I was familiar with who Robert Carlyle was going into this and hearing he was a Bond villain. I was picturing something like Elliot Carver because this was a guy who was, I previously only seen as a heroin addict in train spotting <laughs> And uh, unemployed bad male stripper in the full Monty. <laughs> and suddenly he's a Bond villain. So when I walk into the movie and he's the man that feels no pain, I'm just, what? Robert Carlyle of all people? He definitely pulls it off later on. But it, it's, again, one of those moments pulls when you first off. see it. Is that a pun? <laughs> he shoots it up later on. Um, <laughs> Carlyle is good in this movie, but I really just don't know why I don't like his introduction. Maybe I just want it to be bigger, but... Uh, after that, yeah, the the whole thing with the sneakers is hilarious. Like, this is going to be Bond's next mission. You know, if if Die Another Day had been a better movie, it would have been Bond tracking down black market sneaker, uh, a sneaker ring <laughs> somewhere in the middle of uh, Iceland. This is just it was Davidov's side project. <laughs> it's it's an it's an illegal trade somewhere in the world. I just love that idea. It's hilarious. Uh, I don't know why you're really talking about the credit card, Ben. That was the lamest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. You can pick a log with, You can pick a log with a regular credit card. Like they're just cutting out one step. I mean, this is the oldest trick in the book. You pick a log with a credit oh, card. I'm uh, sorry, I'm not a thief who breaks into houses like Colin Hildy. <laughs> I think we've got to uh, get in Winnipeg Inspector Warmbroad to uh, onto Colin. Yeah. Well, where do you That's think what I she get... does by night? Where do you think I get all of my uh, black market sneakers from? It's all the B and E's with my credit card skills. See, you're um, multi-talented with your credit card, Colin. Uh, all right. Um, That's why Jamie married. Let's talk about Christmas Jones here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to agree with Ben on one thing, and that's that her character actually is not that bad. Let's just imagine the exact same character, every line of dialogue, and Terry Hatcher's playing it instead. Somebody or mini who's, driver. Or mini driver. <laughs> but let's just say let's say Terry Hatcher just because again I criticized, I said she's not much of an actress in the last movie. She at least is a believable age. Like we're supposed to believe that Denise Richards, who looks like she's, you know, barely She's, I think, in the mid twenties at the time, barely looks that. Terry Hatcher would be a little bit more believable. Terry Hatcher plays this not that much better of an actress in real life, but she pulls it off because the character does make sense to be in the movie. It's the exact same character that we had with Stacey Sutton, except when she's talking, she's saying things that are important and interesting. I'll say between the two of them, they are the exact same character. I dislike Stacey Sutton a little bit more, even though I think Denise Richards' performance is worse. 
But at least her performance is so bad that it can be funny. I mean, when she says Ooh. things about nuclear Ooh. physics, I'm thinking like the the reason her lines are delivered so poorly is because somebody's off camera speaking it phonetically to her because she probably doesn't know how to read or spell nuclear physicist, let alone be one. I got <laughs> the Denise Richards interview. Every line she has sounds hilarious, and at least that has to count for something. Uh, she is definitely the weakest point of this movie, but there's some good like, there's some good lines here that we barely mentioned. I mean, when he comes in with his accent, this is the first time Bond's done an accent since you know I speak English back in Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, um, his impression of Arkov is great, and there's the whole thing with you know uh, I don't know any uh, where she's like uh, names Jones, Doctor Christmas Jones, and don't give me any jokes. He's like, I don't know any Dr. Jones. Love that <laughs> That's line. a great line. Fucking love it. Yeah, I love that line. I so, love, she said, don't give me any jokes, and then literally at the end of the film, even she's making freaking Christmas jokes. Oh, because they're boning yeah. each other. It's romantic. <laughs> it's romantic to make Christmas jokes. It was sarcastic. Ho, that ho, was sarcastic. Ho. I was not being serious. <laughs> Oh man, I just I want to get this. This is going to be like when Ben brought here. up. Don't try uh, in the water. Be like, Don't try and make Christmas jokes. <laughs> Ben's like tips I tried of that one. Didn't go over so well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know any doctor jokes. That's great. Uh, she is so bad, but at the same time, it's it's not like Halle Berry where. <gasps> <laughs> you know she's an okay she's an okay actress, but her character is so annoying. <gasps> it's not like Stacey Sutton, where you know she's such a bad actress, but her her performance is just so dull. I mean, there is something comically bad about Denise Richards, and it's funny because people still remind me to this day that I got married, as I said, right before or right after Skyfall came out, and leading up to the wedding people who knew us would always make fun of me because i was doing the bond rewatch of all the movies i did 23 bond movies in 23 days not that but they made fun of me the fact that it was like nine days or you know 10 days away from my wedding and they're looking on jamie's facebook and she's like you know in 10 days i'm gary mary the man of my dreams blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and like i go over to call his facebook it's like denise richards is the dumbest bond girl ever who cast this idiot in the movie and i just went on rants about denise richards that it still haunts me to this day that that's what i was talking about before i got married but <laughs> but it is comically bad i mean we're talking about we we're gonna have so many denise richards quotes at the end of this episode and we're all gonna be cracking up listening to it so that's something over at least stacy sutton and jinx in the next one who are just kind of annoying Hey, Stacey Sutton ate a quiche. <laughs> she ate a quiche. <laughs> and Jinx would fucking rip her head off and shit down her throat. You leave Jinx alone. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. If we're talking in a real fight, I think Denise Richards takes Ali Berry. Oh. She was married to Charlie Sheen. Come on. But Charlie Sheen would... Oh. All I heard She'd was kill him with a takes Halle Berry and I'm in. <laughs> I would watch a Halle Berry Denise Richards fight with popcorn. I'm there, but like, not. Ugh. Can I just say that I love Christmas, um, the season. Me too. It only comes um, once a year, it, though. Yeah, at the time of recording, it's very close to coming. So, woo, well, go Christmas! Well, hopefully, it will come a lot quicker. With turkey. <laughs> no, we're just saying. The word come and Christmas and well, it's, it's great when Christmas comes. <laughs> Being peace thought so. 
Can we get so Charlie. double all seven ornaments or even James Bond ornaments? When we're going back to our t-shirts, Christmas comes once it twice. <laughs> what? I don't know. All right, let's move boy. on. <laughs> that's staying in. Don't tell me to edit that out. That's, that's, that's back to our comedic genius. All you want for Christmas is a new dick after you travel back and shot it off. And then Christmas yeah. would really come. But anyway. Oh, we, we apologize that. on behalf of Double R Seven. We apologize for Ben Waterworth. Bring back the fonts, well, I would say Bring that we apologize, but you were the one who brought up Money Penny masturbating, though. So I think we're all on equal footing. <laughs> At least in the context of the story <laughs> we're watching, I don't know what dick shooting and <laughs> what did Stromberg come into this? <laughs> oh, there's the context. That, that's the sequel to The Spy Love Me. Uh, he travels back to try and save his dick. Um... <laughs> dick stamper. <laughs> this is worse than the farts. Now we're making dick jokes. Um... We apologize. Hey, you know what this can save what it? You know, I can save it by playing something we haven't heard yet. <laughs> Where do you feel away from talking Bell, about it? Cool Bell. <laughs> oh, that, can we hear Goldie instead? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Say never again. All right, let's move Don't on. Don't mention that, that was... shit pile. Well, it's better than Christmas Jones. No. Why couldn't have? Why couldn't have they got Fatima's Bush on instead of Christmas? She could have done it. Um, I Davidoff. I don't even know what we're up. talking about. <laughs> Something about time travel or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bomb puts on accent. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that was Hilly providing that accent. Um, and they go into the underground mm, bomb center place. Uh, I don't know what it is. Um, Aerial mine. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, and. Renard's there, Bond captures him, uh, they have a bit of a powwow, um, then they come down and say, you're not Dr. Arkov, we have this picture, um, even though I admire you, I still don't know what you look like. Um, so then starts the gunpoint, uh, gunfire, and you see the bomb coming up, at, or the missile, or the bo- bomb, sorry, um, and Renard says, there's no point in living if you can't feel alive, which is just so dumb that this is the way that Bond figures everything out. The, why, the way that, oh, we must quote our motto um, every time we're in danger. Like, this is the Spectre ring all over again, but even dumber. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I love the plot twist, but just the way Bond figures out is so dumb in my eyes. Um then we have Renard slaughtering people, kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name, Zoran? And he. Is, <laughs> yeah, Renard, <laughs> yeah, that's him. true. Renard, Renard is escaping. Uh, Bond's chasing after him. Bond shoots a few people. Bond uses uh, Watch Grapple, another gadget, better than the credit card. Um, and there's a bit of a shootout. Uh, Renard gets away, then Bond and Christmas are trying to get out before it explodes. She says, so, you're a British secret spy. Um, That was better acting than Denise Richards. (laughs) And what's your name? Bond. (laughs) Bond. 
James Bond, which is a pretty cool Bond, James Bond. Um, and the second one for this film. So first time I got two in a while. I will just say this scene's pretty cool, even though I think the motto bit's dumb. But the set is amazing here. It might be my favorite set of the film. I think it's awesome. Um, that didn't really cover too much, but we should probably just quickly talk about this sequence before we move on because it's kind of a breaking point there. But it's cool, though. I love it. I like it. I love it. It's it's great. I, I, I disagree with you. I love the the bit there where he's sort of piecing it together now and it's making sense and it's sort of hinting at these clues. And, you know, I think the way he kind of puts it in there and, you know, no point living, you can't feel alive. I think it fits. It's not forced. It's, you know, I've scared the living daylight. It's not that, you know, it's, it's fine. And then obviously he does the whole shoulder bit as well, which just adds to it. And, um... Yeah, I love the the guard guy who's like down there and he's all like, there's too many new faces. I don't like it. Get to the top. (laughs) It's just like, kill everyone except for Christmas. Like, wouldn't it have been great if she just died there? (laughs) (laughs) See you, Denise. Thanks for coming. Um, But only once a year. Um, But yeah, no, I I love this whole sort of sequence and, um, you know, just the shooting and the explosions and going on that little hanging thing through the tunnel and it's like the fire coming and stupid old Denise Richards is just standing there looking, duh, 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 duh. and then it's like, close the door, close it, whatever it is. And the whole, the Bond bit, like, oh, that is that is one of the greatest Bond, James Bonds in the history of the se- uh, season, the the series. It's, it's fucking fantastic when it's like, Bond, James Bond. Like, oh, it's just, like, fuck you, I'm just James his Bond. His delivery, though, why is it so, like, Bond, James Bond? <laughs> he's not so, Sean like, Connery, he never say never Batman. again. <laughs> he's Batman. Oh, it's so good. Um, and the escape to the top, and I love the whole card thing when it's like, every single bomb has a tracker locator. We'll be able to find them soon. <laughs> you mean this card? <laughs> like, that's how she acts half the time. <laughs> Um and yeah no it's great. Uh, we were just missing the line. Yes, she had a lot of guts. <laughs> if this was Lazenby and Denise Richards. <laughs> Mind you, Lazenby. Well, was what still... about Lazenby as Christmas John? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard all the jokes. I don't want to hear them anymore. I've heard the jokes. <laughs> I've so, got to find the bomb. You're a British or secret spy. What ass. is your name? <laughs> anyway, um, yes, she has big boobs. <laughs> that disabled this entire action scene. <laughs> <They're> jiggling. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I noticed there was some action in this. <laughs> Maybe it was just me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this sequence is great. This is uh, this was probably the most promoted one. Like again, I I said how Tomorrow Never Dies is what got me into the Bond movies, and if I if I was nostalgic for that movie for that reason, I've always been nostalgic for this because this was the first time I was able to be really excited going into a, a Bond movie where I was counting down the days to it, and I was uh, you know, looking at every single magazine that came out just to find out new information and watching and recording all the TV spots, which. I don't know if either of you used to do that back in the day, record TV spots just to watch them over and over again. This was like the heavily promoted. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. You didn't have to put me in that category. Come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> but this this scene, especially uh, with the whole Bond James Bond thing that you mentioned, and him, you know, flying through the doors, hanging onto those cables, those are like very heavily promoted shots. But whereas I wasn't on board with Renard in that opening scene, I mean, this is where Renard really starts clicking because you don't need to have this big. That's what makes it so interesting because Robert Carlyle is probably the small. I would be interested to see if somebody actually took the heights and the weights of these guys. I would argue Robert Carlyle may be the smallest since like Donald Pleasance uh, of any Bond scene. (laughs) Well, maybe outside of Nick, but he's such a scary villain. The fact that he can, I'll have some complaints in a bit about how he can't feel anything apparently and how that probably wouldn't actually work in real life. But the idea of it, it makes him so sadistic and, just the fact that like they, they, they write a good character for him and he plays it really well. The fact that he is a guy who just doesn't care if he dies. That moment where Bond shoots the glass yes, yes. and he just sort of blinks. You know, I always looked at that and figured, well, he probably doesn't know it's bulletproof. He just doesn't care. And that's what makes Renard such a great villain. You know, Electra seems to get more credit than Renard. I think the two of them together deserve a lot of credit. And like you mentioned that line, it's done subtly enough that you're, you're just sort of scratch. You're like Pierce. You're scratching your head at that point thinking, well, what did he just say? Did I hear that earlier? It's not so obvious that it spoils it for you. And yeah, I mean, he the, he's so sadistic here. Like you compared him to Zorin. I think that it works better than Zorin. Um, I think that his character is infinitely better than Zorin. I think it's infinitely better than Stamper too. And uh, the action scene is great. I mean, his escape, there's a lot going on here, a lot of like trap doors and everything. But this is where I'll say Michael Apted, I think is better at filming action scenes than even Martin Campbell. Because you don't need any gags or anything like that in here. It's just a straight action scene, and it's really exciting. Um, this is, I think, at least a contender for Hall of Fame here. Maybe not as obvious as the boat chase earlier, but it's got to at least be a contender. I forgot to mention that bullet shot. I love. I fucking love that bit when he shoots a glass. <laughs> no hard feelings. Mr. You Bob. mentioned Michael Apted. Um, we should mention that Peter Jackson was actually one of the contenders to be the director. Oh, for this fuck. Film. What are we, three um, hours of them fucking walking down this bloody... Uh, should also mention with all the view to a kill references that this scene was actually in the original script for a view to kill where bond poses as arkov but nobody actually was bothered by the fact that a 63 year old man was posing as a 63 year old man <laughs> so he rewrote it for pierce here he was a young arkov. he's a young man arkov you're an old man <laughs> you joke about peter jackson but he would have made a good bond film i don't know about that come off it we'd still be watching it right now <laughs> you have my grapple watch. Denise Richards. And my credit card. <laughs> yeah. That's a James Bond. Uh, Lord of the Rings. And my Richards. nuclear physics degree. <laughs> Denise Richards. Thou and shall not pass. Degree. <laughs> Thou shall not pass. I don't know. I've never fucking yeah. seen them all the way through. Is that what they say? <laughs> you haven't no seen them all. My precious. <laughs> thou precious <laughs> thou precious Lisi. how thou out now precious I love how you say you haven't seen it all the way through so you wouldn't know the most famous line from the film oh, well, fuck, but, I don't um, know I fall asleep well, even when I watch clips of it he hasn't seen it all the way through because he started it yesterday and he's still <laughs> halfway in oh I think Peter Jackson would have done a fine job. Uh, this did is you ever Hobbit. see the, not to get completely sidetracked here, but did you ever see the Lovely Bones? You know, the one non-Lord uh, movie's no, made? No, I avoided that. 
Oh, painful. But some of his pre-Lord of the Rings films are pretty he good. He did King Kong, um, didn't yeah. yeah. Oh, painful. <laughs> Talk about long and drawn out. Uh, but then I love, I was reading somewhere, it's like he was direct, uh, He was slated as a contender, but then Barbara Broccoli saw a different film he directed and she didn't like it, so he was out of the picture. So, the Frighteners. Uh, yeah, I've never seen that, but she's living up to, to her reputation. Um, we, we should really move on. That was a great scene. Uh, next up, we have Electra on the Skype. She's calling up MI6. She wants M to come to her, which is it Robinson or it's Tanner? One of them says, no, don't do that. Uh, should have listened to Robinson slash Tanner because you nearly die. Um, you have Bond confronting Electra and, oh, I know, you're a traitor, blah, 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 nearly killing Mr. Kill's brother. Um, and then uh, we have the kind of the reunion or the gathering of Electra and Bond and the MI6 crew and uh, Christmas is there along for the ride. Then they find out uh, that there's a, supposedly the bomb in the pipeline. Um, so... Bond has to go, and luckily they've got a nuclear physicist with them. That's handy. Um, so they're off. Why is she there? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. We know nothing about her other than she happened to be at Kazakhstan at that exact point. Uh, did no one say, uh, who is this woman? Can we get her out of here? This is MI6. But uh, So they head out and have a really bizarre chase where... Denise Richards and Bond, or Christmas and Bond, are chasing the bomb in the pipeline and faster, faster. And it's just, it's weird. I don't get it. It's just dumb. It's weird. Um, and that turned out to be a dove bomb, but it still blows up portion of the pipe. And they believe that Bond is killed, but obviously that's not true. Um, and then that's where we learn for sure. Well, we already know, of course, but that's where M knows for sure that Electra is not a good good guy, and she, all the MR six. What was that? Blowfield. You like Electra's pause? But never mind. Bad joke. Move on. <laughs> edit point. No edit. No edit. That's the edit. No edit. You leave all our dumb jokes in. So. <laughs> Well, actually, you also leave yours in too, so that's yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Electra's men kill all the MI6 agents, and we have one of my favourite moments where M slaps Electra. Um, I could watch a whole film of um, Judy Dench Judy slapping Dench people. Are so girl, girl fighting? <laughs> well, just Judy Dench slapping people in general. I could watch two hours <laughs> of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a TV show. This week on Judy Dent slaps people. <laughs> this week, Judy Dent, <laughs> the, the three celebrity guests who will be slapped tonight Ah, <laughs> Denise Richards, Denise Richards, and Denise Richards. Will Ferrell. Next, join us for Ulrich Thompson, <laughs> best known as Davidov in The World Is Not Enough. Here's Judy. She's behind the scenes. She's warming up her hand. She's ready for a good slap tonight. How are you feeling, Judy? Who's up for a slapping good time? <laughs> That's her catchphrase every episode. <laughs> They're ready to go to slap, slap, slap. Oh, Judy Mixie up. There comes the left hand. Oh, Classic, classic Judy plot twist. Everyone, everyone how about your that. mother? You know, the, um, you just got slapped. 
In the face. Obviously, we don't have any mother fans. Anyway. <laughs> you know, we had a good roll going there. <laughs> Watch how I met your mother. It's funny. I had to kill the pacing. But... <laughs> just got slapped. How about we hear a little bit of that right now? Your lips, they're trembling, but you can't speak. You're trying. Oh, you're trying not to cry. You just got slapped. By Judy Dench. Across the face, my friend. Damn. You just got slapped. By Judy. Yes, that really just happened. Well, everybody saw it. Ha! Including Davidoff. Everybody laughed and clapped. Not money, Penny. Because it was awesome. The way that you just got slapped. By Judy. Ah, that was funny. Keep going on. Oh, Ben just proved he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Judy's Judy's career has really gone downhill after Skyfall. Um, Judy does slaps people, um, but yeah, of course, plot twist of Electra. Uh, M is captured, um, and Electra is pretty much doing all this to make herself look innocent. Um, that's why she's blowing up her own shit, um, and the stealing weapons grade plutonium. Um, Maybe we'll cap it there so we can talk about the capture of M and we'll talk more about M's role, but I, I do like this scene where it's revealed that Electra is the baddie, but the pipe stuff, just it's weird and I don't like it. It's just silly. Um, Denise Richards and Bond chasing something that's not even... Uh, you guys talk about it. I just don't like it. But I do like the reveal of Electra. One thing I've written in my notes here, which I forgot to mention just in the, the tunnel section before, when Bond comes through that tunnel and he's on fire, I've written here, Colin loves burning Bond. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're cheering, going, I burn Bond, burn! Ah, <laughs> oh, he put the fire out. Um, yeah, M having to go out and see Electra. Um, yep, whatever. Um... I love it when Electra's on their computer and like hanging up obviously from a Skype call and she's like using Windows 2000 professional. Uh, <laughs> that dates the film. Um, I, this scene between Bond and Electra, this is, I think this is one of the, the best acted and interactions we've had since from Russia with love. I love this scene when he's like calling her out for everything. And, you know, basically, you know, there's no point in living. If you can't feel alive. Isn't that what you said to me, Electra? And, keep going on about it and then just the way she handles it like Colin you were saying before that you know every time you watch this you're still shocked like this is the big reveal this is where Bond's caught it but she just plays it so well um she slaps him there too there's a lot of slapping going on in this (laughs) moment um oh it's so good I fucking love that scene it's it's brilliant and then when she's like I've called in M or whatever it is um, then we get this whole, yeah, I, I love this pipe sequence. What is wrong with you, Noah Groves? I've written here, though, in big letters, why is Jones there? <laughs> like, she just... <laughs> Doesn't take a nuclear physicist to drive this. <laughs> what do I need to disarm a nuclear bomb? Me! <laughs> <laughs> I think, James Bond, you need me. Christmas um, Jones. The, I, I will say, um, James Bond is a boss at maths when they're all like, Oh, it's such and such kilometers away, and it's and he's just like, we've got seventy four minutes. It's like, wow, somebody listened in maths class. Um, I fucking love this scene. Beautiful mind. <laughs> it's it's 
it's so it's so tense. Like it's great, and they're on that little I don't know what the hell that thing is inside the pipe, but I want to go on it. That looks fun. And they're catching up to it, and then you know the reveal. It's like you know it couldn't go nuclear. I can stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just it's it's so good. And then they've got to jump, and you know what's what's a line? It's like um. Oh, I've disarmed heaps of these, but usually I'm laying still. And he's like, life's full of small challenges. I like that. It's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, no, then we get Vulcan from Gladiators turning around and getting his only lines in the movie. I've just heard from Robinson, the bomb was a dud. He went to the Denise Richards acting <laughs> school. Um, and the whole pin situation and yeah, the slap. God, Judy Dench's show must be taking off. Um... Yeah, it's great. I love it. I just love this scene. It's fantastic. Um, the the bit that's like after it's blown up and they're hanging out of the pipe, and what's I, I don't know what he's saying. And she's like, "Do you want to put that in English for those of us who don't speak spy?" <laughs> Do you want to shut the fuck up? <laughs> James Bond slaps Christmas. <laughs> they they needed to bring back the rat. From Diamonds Are Forever in the Pipe. <laughs> yes. I was just walking my rat and I lost my way. Um, and then we get... The, <laughs> uh, to me, I think it's... I mean, look, this is a movie filled with Christmas Jones cringeworthy liners. But the line when she's like, I need to find the bomb or someone's going to have my ass." <laughs> Although, of course, edited for the trailer, someone's going to have my butt. Um, I do, I do love the way that Bond, like, he looks at her, then, like, checks her yeah. out, then looks up and goes, first things first. <laughs> 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 oh, there's just something so wrong about that, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah. I, I, I love the part. Just in closing, that's the acting scene is brilliant and the pipe is fucking fantastic. No, Groves, you're an idiot. Uh, yeah, I love the pipeline scene too. And yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I don't know if there really are these little pipe cars that you can drive, <laughs> like a hundred kilometers an hour. Well, it doesn't take a living daylight to drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this uh, is yeah. how they got. Where's uh, the big boob woman? Off, <laughs> um, but that sequence is great. I'll, I'll get back to it in a second because I just want to touch on the Electra scene again. I'm completely with you, Ben. I mean, this is a great scene. I don't think that it's as good as the... I think the scene is affected because we're really getting a lot of the story in here. Uh, but the scene with M is so good earlier on, but that doesn't take away from this. This is another one of the things where I was saying I can use this and introduce people. To, I'll, I'll give you the best example. When this movie came out, you know, I was getting really into James Bond, and my sister would constantly be like, oh, Bond movies are stupid. Now, she had never seen a Bond movie, but like most people who hadn't seen Bond movies, you know all of those cliches. And she would always say, you know, Bond movies are always about the, the evil genius who just wants to take over the world, and then Bond just uh, sleeps with a bunch of women, and they do whatever he wants, and this, and this, and this. And, and then I'm like, I paid for her to see this. When I went the second time, I said, I will pay for you to see this with me just to prove to you that these movies aren't as typical as you think. And this is why, because the whole Electra turn thing, this is something that not every movie has. It's not your typical Bond movie. And she came out of it saying, yeah, that was actually pretty good. She was surprised. The Electra thing really works. And this is where give total credit to Sophie Marceau, because the writing for one thing has to be credited to, but she really sells this all the way back when she was trapped in Bond's coat up until now. She's so adamant when, you know, he's accusing her, but look at the writing too. 
this is written in a way where as an audience member, even now watching this, I still feel like, wow, maybe maybe Bond's wrong. Maybe he misjudged her. And like, I've seen this a million times. I know she's about to get slapped for, you know, blowing up <laughs> her own pipeline and killing her own father. But the argument she makes is so logical where, you know, he's like, he knew exactly where to hit me in the shoulder. And she's like, well, you had a cast on your shoulder, you moron. <laughs> like, it doesn't take the nuclear physicist to figure out where to pinch your nerve. And everything she says is is very plausible. I, I think the writing is so good in this movie and her acting is so good. Pierce is so good. I mean, this is, again, a side of Bond we don't see. We don't usually see Bond very aggressive and angry like this. If this were Sean Connery, he'd just be playing it cool. And Pierce is actually getting a little bit flustered here. And I love that. Denise Richards does not. I, I, this is the biggest confusion. Whether she's in the pipeline thing or not, I don't care. But why is she sitting there in Electra's control room? Like, should this not have just ended with, oh, okay, yeah, um, some guys down there tried to kill us. So uh, give your statement to Tanner or Robinson or Smallbone or whoever's there. <laughs> and then we'll see you later. Why is she being brought into all the secret dealings of MI6 suddenly? I mean, she just happened to be a bystander in the middle of a shootout. I don't understand Who that. Who is she? <laughs> <laughs> She's Christmas Jones, and don't make any jokes. Shouldn't he be on the phone to her, like, when they're going, like, okay, we'll go to this pipe bond, we know any new... Oh, well, I met this chick in, um, in Kazakhstan, I could give a call. <laughs> yeah, does, they could just call she... her in later. What? But does she actually do anything in the pipeline, though? The thing blows up. Okay. She well, but she told pulled to. plutonium out of it. He, he told it, it didn't to go it nuclear. <sighs> yeah, but bomb. She, who else is going to extract? Well, then again, Bond extracted the plutonium in The Spy Who Loved Me, so he probably could have known how to do this. But he, said he was busy driving something that didn't need to be steered, so I don't know why there's controls for it either. We need a random guy from Goldfinger uh, to come the- and save the day. <laughs> Yeah, but I love the whole pipeline thing. I think it's a it's a really fun action scene. Like you said, it's tense. And David Arnold's music, mm. I mean, that's the one of the best pieces of music in the entire Pierce series. Um, I love the music in the pipeline scene. And I like the sequence, even if it doesn't make sense. It's just, it's a fun sequence. And yeah, the other thing is, that bothers me, though, is let, let's look at Electra's reveal here. The whole question is, even with Christmas, she's like, why would she blow up her own pipeline? Well, <laughs> Because this thing goes for hundreds of kilometers, and they took out about four feet of it. I mean, <laughs> they repair this in an afternoon. I don't know how big of a deal it is, but everybody's like, she blew up her own pipeline. Why would she do that? It's barely scratched. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I think this is Christmas again. She's so bad. All of her lines that are delivered are so terrible. Like, it doesn't take a degree in nuclear physics. <laughs> It could have done with at least a few acting classes in high school. I mean, just something. Give us something, Christmas. But somehow Pierce can compensate for Denise Richards in this movie, and that's something again. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna compare this to Stacy Sutton in A View to a Kill, I don't think Roger Moore necessarily compensates for how bland and dull she is. You mentioned the moment where you know Bond looks her over and says, "Well, first things first. Little things like that, Bond, Pierce Brosnan is not phased by how bad she is in this movie, and he does compensate in some ways. So, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm defending her. As I said, I, I went on a rant before I was married about how bad she was, but it's not like she's dragging the movie down so much. And I don't really understand, the outside of the criticism for her, I don't understand the criticism of the movie. And in some ways, I don't understand the criticism for her because it's no worse than what we've seen before. I just want to re- This marriage has changed you, Colin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I just want to defending Christmas. Journey. Really, add a quick line here, which is a quote from Barbara Broccoli on, on Electra. Um, and in actually in the encyclopedia that I've got it, it sort of goes into detail that this has been something that they'd wanted to do for a bit and have like a female villain and sort of have this sort of connected to, to Bond. But she basically, in one line, this is a perfect description, I think, of Electra. She said, Bond thinks he's found Tracy, but he's really found Blofeld. I think that, that's perfect. That's, that's mm-hmm. such a great quote. But uh, one thing I wanted to quickly add yeah. too, I fucking love it when like Bond's just pretty much died, according to M. And she's all like, oh, you know. And Electra's like, I'm so sorry. I have a gift for you. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the time. No, take her, please. If M just leaves, what happens? <laughs> like, you yeah, should say so adamant. I'm sorry. Bond just died. I can't deal what with this. She's inconsolable on the ground. I can't. <laughs> Running out like a teenage girl out of the building. <laughs> Cutting for Bond. He's like, I've got a gift for you, M. Stop singing. <laughs> M just breaks into ballad. <laughs> that slaps everyone in the room. I um, opened it up and it was like the greatest hits of garbage or something like that. <laughs> 60 yeah. minutes with me. Living. Your pun's not alive. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? She she was way more broken up about Bond potentially dying than King. Do you think that maybe Bond and M got it all back in the day? I reckon. Yeah, That's maybe. why they drink so much. Somewhere That's how he knows she has balls all the time. She's um, always trying to get him drunk so they can have sex again. <laughs> Never drink That's Bond. That's one time he was drunk. She's got to roofie him. Every time... Every time they get tanked together, they end up in the sack. <laughs> the next morning, oh fuck, we're here again. <laughs> Don't tell she my husband, like Jay. Special, special tablets off cue to roofie uh, Bond. <laughs> M roofing Bond? In this picture. <laughs> you scroll through need... M's phone, and it's all these selfies of her and Bond in bed. <laughs> but Bond did pick. Right. From Russia with love, where Rosa Klebsch got the magic mirror. So when Warm Flash and Bond are getting it on, they zoom out at M's Ed's there, and Tanner and Robinson behind her. And <laughs> she's just filming it. And I'll get my revenge. Cigar out of the trash. <laughs> you just see all these scenes of like Bonds out there, and you know, oh, they're gonna have my ass. First things first, you hear this beep beep, and looks at his phone. It's a Snapchat from him. <laughs> Did you say the first things first? M <laughs> just relentlessly Snapchatting James Bond. Got a gift from Electra. She's evil. Lol. <laughs> Stuck in this cage. Coming free. <laughs> I feel free when What's I'm What's the time, cleavage shot? <laughs> Hashtag uh. bored. <laughs> Tits out for bond. Judy Dent, she's a man. Uh, a man, no, she's not a man. She's a woman of many talents, as we've discovered. Can I just point um, out that Noah Groves is the one who said tits out for Bond, not me. <laughs> 
Can we just point out, according to James Bond wiki, Electra's middle name is Vavra. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Ah. <laughs> like, uh, is that supposed to be from Russia Love Easter Egg, or is that just her name, Electra Vavra Key? It's one of. I love it. It's one of um. What's his name? Karen Bay's like children, but it's a yeah. daughter. We know how much they breed in Turkey. Yeah, they were in Istanbul, so. <laughs> Does that does that mean Electra and Bond are related? Because Bond's Vavra's son, so um... this just took a dark turn. <laughs> we were just having fun talking about Judy Dench and Pierce Brosnan in bed, and you have to go too far. Oh, I've just got a I've just got a Snapchat from like Judy. It says, uh, "Oh, she's like putting a hand over her mouth, shocked, and says hashtag incest." Ooh. <laughs> Jeez, she needs to get a job. Um, too bad she's. Dead. Um, <laughs> well, Judy Dench isn't dead. Family. Well, I hope she doesn't die. Between I, I, now I don't, don't want to see Gareth Mallory's Snapchat. Ray, Ray Fine's Snapchats. I do not want to no, see. They're what just with Qantas flight attendants. Yeah, and Bill Tanner. Um, and Harry Potter. All right. Well, I actually I'm not going to go there. Leave Money Penny out of it. Um, let's move. She's busy by herself. <laughs> This is a new money penny. This new one doesn't masturbate. Um, sure she does. Well, maybe, but let's not go into that. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on, please. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Colin, you said that you use this film to introduce people to Bond. Do not use this episode to introduce people to Double yeah. Seven. Oh my god, I'm on this great podcast. You want to listen to it? <laughs> sure, honey. All right, let's move on. So they're in Istanbul, home of Karen Bay and Vavra. Um, why didn't they get Karen Bay Jr. on for this one? Which one? But anyway, for this film, The World Is Not Enough. No, which Karen Bay Jr.? Oh, never mind. Ah, the actor from License to Kill. Um M is behind bars. She's in a little cell. Um, and Renard and Electra are well and truly working together. Um, and Renard puts up a clock, says he's going to kill M at noon tomorrow, which beats me why he doesn't just do it now. But anyway, um, then we cut to the Caspian Sea. Oh, well, and we also um, more Judy Dench filming people as uh, Renard and Electra get together, which is just a weird scene. Um, and we learn that Electra's kind of fallen for him when she was in kidnapping and he's going to help her in his dying breath. Um, we cut to the Caspian Sea and Bond is visiting Valentine at his, uh, what is it, caviar factory. Uh, in true, you only live twice fashion. Henchmen show up to kill everyone, um, and what breaks out is a pretty cool action scene. I really enjoy everything that happens here. I think Zakovsky's great in it. Christmas Jones is just tagging along, doing nothing as always, um, and Bond gets to do some really cool stuff here, fighting down helicopters. Um, I've noticed that a trend in this film is. Oh, look, there's exploding barrels on the side of the road. Even in on the Thames, there are exploding barrels. So the whole thing's blowing up. Um, there's not really too much to add uh, other than it's an extended fight scene that's really cool and maybe Hall of Fame worthy. Um, 
and we and we finally get some information that Valentine gets equipment for Electra, which uh, brings us back to the casino scene, and that his nephew is smuggling machinery in for Electra, um, which kind of caps out that scene. So, again, not too much to actually add, other than the fact that it's a really cool scene. But we'll maybe cap it there before we head into the climax. Um, I the whole sequence with him in jail and. Um, the whole Renard little spiel to, to him. I love that sort of little speech. And he's like, I guarantee I will not miss. Um, I kind of implied that I'm, I'm guessing she's going to die when they put off the bomb. Um, that's maybe when I thought the reason why he's waiting till tomorrow. But I guess he could just pop a cap in her ass like then and kill her. Um, the, the love scene between Renard and, and Electra, I, I don't mind it. It's kind of, you know, a nice little scene between these two. I think, as Colin mentioned, it's good that these two work together. And, you know, I kind of think you need something there to show that they're actually in love. Um, and you, I believe they're in love. Like, when you see her on the little maiden's tower and him, like, running, uh, her running to, like, oh, my God, like, squee, here he is. Um, <laughs> that's what the young people say it's not today. Denise Richards. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I, and then I like how she discovers, M discovers a little locator card that just happens to be in her pocket, um, with the clock. Um, I love, I love the whole bit that in the lead up to Zakovsky and he walks in there and it's like, how did you get in? I'm going to have to call security and congratulate them. <laughs> like, yeah, he seriously must get infiltrated a lot just by hot chicks, apparently. Um, and I fucking love it when Bond's there and he's like, can't you just say hello like a normal person? <laughs> so good. Um, and yeah, the whole bit when you're saying like, kind of like you only live twice, random henchmen showing up. Well, we do see Goldie or Bullion make the phone call. Um, you know, Bond is alive and then they've got to send these ginormous bladed helicopter things. Um, we get another, the remote control car again uh, with the BMW. This is like... This is. I always remember this film is kind of like, oh wow, I've got this beautiful. I think it's a Z4. I, I don't really know too much about them. I'm pretty sure it is. You know, it's a new one. And because my sister used to really be into BMWs, so she kind of liked these Bond films because so, she saw the BMWs. And I remember she asked me about like, what was the new BMW like? I'm like, it's in the movie for like three seconds and it gets chopped in half. <laughs> like. See, you didn't pay for your sister to go for this yeah. film. I was 12. Like, my parents are paying shit for me. Like, they didn't pay for her to go. Uh, I love the line when he says, Q isn't going to like this. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, the yeah. explosion with the, the blades chopping everywhere. And there's that bit where he jumps off the like the pier thing into the water, which is always shown in the trailer and everything. Um, the one bit that I really don't get, of this whole sequence, and this is probably one of the the few things in this film that I'm always like, oh, what? He's in this thing of caviar, and he's, like, drowning. Yet there's a bit where, like, he can just reach the wall. Like, why is he drowning in caviar? Like, it's it's caviar. Like, it's thicker than water. Surely he can just, like, he can see him. Like, he can easily reach the wall. Like, oh, that just annoys me every single time I see this movie. Too fat to move. <laughs> Leave fat people alone, Colin. Um, but it's, it's a great action sequence. Um, yeah, I, I love, I kind of like the buzzsaw helicopters. There's just something about them that I like. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to add. Um, 
why why is nobody else talking about the fact that this this terrible Renard Electra love scene? We have Sophie Marceau wearing a sheet, rubbing ice on herself, and you guys are talking about <laughs> Renard in this scene? <laughs> like, oh, come on, that's a great scene. <laughs> even though, even though Renard. Um, I won't say what I have in my notes. I'll just say that. Just but Renard say it. can feel nothing. <laughs> Renard can feel nothing. Um, I want to talk about that really quickly for a second because this becomes a, a big plot point with Renard feeling no pain and feeling no love or anything else. Um, pleasure. Feeling no pleasure. I had something that happened there. I had some something messed up uh, with my back or my neck or something like that a few months ago. And you got a Renard? The, well, kind of, yeah. What what had happened was, it wasn't that I was sleeping on my arm, but in the middle of the night, I woke up because I had no feeling in my arm. It wasn't like when your arm's asleep and you feel that tingling. There was no feeling at all. And I could slightly move my arm, but it was like the scariest thing that's ever happened. But I have to say, if that had been my legs, I would have tried to get out of bed and fallen flat on my face. If you can feel nothing, you can't walk or move or anything. Like, this should be a guy... Who's sitting there trying to drink a glass of water and he's drooling all over his chest? I don't know why it makes him strong, especially strong enough to punch through anything. I think I like the movie how it is actually. Yeah, it does work, but of course, it just makes no sense at all uh, why he's not like just wobbling around everywhere because he can't figure out whether he actually took that step or not. When he punches the thing and he's bleeding again, I'm wondering. Blood loss would still affect the man whether he could feel it or not. So at some point after he did this, is he going to be going on this emotional rant and all of a sudden his eyes just roll in the back of the head and he passes out due to blood loss and he's completely useless for the rest of the movie? <laughs> not really nitpicking, just something that I think is funny if you actually think about how this would really happen with a man who feels nothing. Um, after that, we have the uh, the thing with Zukovsky and his factory again it's it's one of those scenes where it has a quirk about it so it works on a level that it probably wouldn't have otherwise you know roger spottiswood had a bike chase martin campbell had a tank chase they have really no chase at all it's bond just running around a dilapidated factory and docks and yet this sequence is so good because these helicopters have these giant blades on them cutting everything you have the car being cut in half uh, you have the barn being cut in half. You have uh, Christmas and not being cut in half. Valentine just not being cut in half, but wandering around aimlessly. And everything they go into is hilarious. It's like, well, let's go into the car. All right, the car just fell. Why did he back up when the dock was just blown out? I don't know. Uh, so it's kind of funny to watch this and just keep track of how ridiculous Zukovsky and Christmas look trying to escape this thing. But I mean, it's such a fun scene, and we get to see some Bond car gadgets in this, even if. You know, it's not really a chase scene. It's still really good. The stunts are really good. You know, where Pierce jumps off the dock. Um, it looked like it was really Pierce there. I don't know if they had some effects, but a lot of these scenes, you can tell again that Pierce is still doing a lot of his own stunts. And I don't know if he's doing as many in Die Another Day or if they're just also CGI that it doesn't matter. But like the stunts in this sequence are fantastic. I do have to agree with you. It doesn't really make sense because I saw the, it wasn't just a wall. I mean, there's a ledge that he's, <laughs> His fingers are accidentally brushing as he's pretending to not be able to get out of this thing. <laughs> and how deep is this pool full of caviar? Like, is this thing like nine feet deep? Like, could his feet not touch the bottom or something? Maybe it's just I don't ever I've never had caviar. I don't think any of us could really afford it. Maybe Ben, you know, he's a bit of a millionaire now. But, um, 
is the stuff that oily that you just it's slippery and you can't get a hold you of something? Just eat it all. Yuck! It's fish eggs. Why would yeah. you? <laughs> Ugh. Oh, do you eat because... chicken eggs? Yeah, but I don't eat fish. <laughs> well, some people do. <laughs> some people eat like cow brains, but they're not normal. Yeah, but we asked we asked why Valentine wouldn't eat it, and you're like, because I don't like fish. <laughs> Your preference does not really play into this plot at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a funny scene regardless. I, I like all the scenes with Zukovsky. This is what's good about the Zukovsky-Bond relationship is they're just constantly putting each other in these positions where they can kind of just have fun at the fact that the other person is you know completely at their disposal. So um, this sequence is a lot of fun, and I like the Renard and Electra scene a lot more than everybody else, I think. All right, we're going to cover um, pretty much all the climax. I may gloss over some stuff, but it's back in Istanbul where we learn that they want to exploit, use explosions to pretty much destroy Istanbul and make the only way to get oil through the King pipelines. Um, Bond is caught by Electra's men. Uh, we get scared the living daylights out of him in a line of the world. It's not enough. I probably didn't even do it as bad as it is in the film. It's really bad. It's typical a view to a kill or the world is not enough or living daylights out of it. Um, and Bond is pretty much tortured by Electra. Um, it's set up to be tied up and it's a pretty great scene um, and almost a fitting conclusion to the Electra Bond storyline. Um but Valentin comes to the rescue. Uh, he's got his stick gun cane thing. Um, and he saves the day by shooting Bond out of there. Um, and it, I guess it's debatable whether or not he gets killed. I always assume he's been killed, but maybe he gets out alive. I'm not sure. But I just assume that's the end of the Zakowski storyline. Yeah, that's what I always consider anyway. Um, and then Bond goes after M and we get a really... I'm not sure if you guys picked up on this, but we hear from M when Bond's running past. She goes, Bond! Yes. And all I yeah, can think Bond. of is, Stella! <laughs> the line from M, Bond! It's more like a... Um, oh, I can't even do it anyway. <laughs> uh, still better than Denise Bridge. Bond! Um... Good job, Ben. Thank um, you, Noah. <laughs> Thank you. Bond ends up killing Electra. It's a pretty cold death, but there's really no other way because she's well and truly a bad girl at this point. Um, so, yeah, he just shoots her, and then there she is. Um, I read that in the novelization, she doesn't go on to create snuff porn or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, she doesn't actually die there. She ends up bleeding out. Um for a long time, so that's a bit vicious. Uh, but it's a cool death that he just goes straight for it, bang, and then jumping straight into the water, into the submarine. Um, then that that ends up being the climax battle of the submarine as Bond tries to stop Renard. Uh, Christmas is there just being her usual useless self. Um, we have the big submarine fight. Renard is killed. What What is it, the... What's you call it? Shot through his stomach. Um, a rod. And he goes, "She's what? Yeah." And she's waiting there for you, which is a cool line. Uh, so that's the end of that. 
they stop it, save the day. And then after that, it's Bond and Christmas together. Always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. I thought she said not to make jokes. Uh, and then really, again, with the purpose and way callbacks uh, with MI6 watching Bond and Christmas with like the thermal rays or whatever it is, which really a callback to the Roger Moore period. Um, and I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Uh, such a ridiculous line, but so famous. Um, and then that's the end. James Bond will return. I've covered a hell of a lot of stuff there, but that's pretty much the entire climax. And some good stuff. I like the stuff with Electra, the torture, Valentine, the submarine stuff. I don't overly care for Renard's death is pretty good, but it's it's kind of the the entire scene is just all over the place, and just Christmas is so annoying. So there's some good and bad stuff here, and boom! You can really tell Noah doesn't like this film. He's like, oh yeah, so he goes there, he gets kidnapped, um, gets tortured, uh, Bond, uh, submarine, and comes once a year. <laughs> Completely leaving out the the Goldie yes. uh, defecting and. Zukovsky shooting Bond. <laughs> um, I said Zukovsky shooting Bond. I like the whole bit when they're in the old KGB bit, and yes, we see Goldie uh, blow him up and suicide. Well, not suicide. Bomb. He doesn't die, but anyway, the whole bomb bit. I love how <laughs> kind of the opposite. I love like Bond's instincts just turns around and straight away he's like bomb. Like you know, okay, cool, good on you, Bond. Um, and M with the little locator chippy card thing. She's you know. Have run out of credit on the phone, so she can't Snapchat um, anymore. Um, I do love the little scene between Renard and, and Electra when it's like, and he's like, "This is the end. This is the end." Um, and she's like, "No, this is just the beginning." Like it's a nice little sweet scene. Um, the whole bit before the torture bit, and you know, just the way she's like, "James Bond." Um, I like the way, like, the the world is not enough line. I think it's it's not as cheesy and bad as, like, you're making it out to be. It works. Because when she's like, I could have given you the world, and he's just kind of like, the world is not enough. And the way he then ties it back into, like, Majesty's, like... This is you, again, defending everything in the films that you like because it's I'll the same as Thank Living you, Daylight Colin. to the to a Kill. Team Davidov strikes again. It's 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 fun, but that's like the best. The callback bit is there, which you didn't mention at all. Is when he turns around and goes, "Old family motto" or whatever it is. Like that's a throwback mm. to Majesties. Like we saw that like all those years ago, thirty years ago. Like it's great. Like trust me, when it comes to die another day, I'm talking about the delivery. But here. I think the delivery's fine. Like I'm not going to defend when he says it in Die Another Day. I think that's terrible the way he brings that into it. But. I, I don't think it's anywhere as bad as you're pointing it out to me. No way. Um, I love the torture chair scene and the bit like she removes the earrings and like, ooh, cut ears, ooh, like like that always bits like, so whatever. Um, the, the one bit, though, that I don't know if either of you picked up, when she straddles him and she's like, you know what happens when a man is strangled? Like, apparently when a man is strangled, his dick gets hard, if you didn't know that. So she's straddling him and essentially going to rape his dead body. Like, that is basically how sadistic she is in that moment. We talked about Bond being a necro with Terry Hatcher. Like, she's like... One last screw. Yes, Chandler, you're in a zenia at that point. I love that line, one last screw. 
Um, and I love it when like Bond's like choking or whatever, and and he's like, she's like going on like, oh, you know, you couldn't do that not to a woman you loved, and he's like, you meant nothing to me. <laughs> like I just love the way he says that to her. Um, the there's a the Zakowski bit when he comes in and he's like, I'm looking for a friend. He's blah blah, blah and he's a very dear friend of mine or something like that with a hat and the way she shoots him and. Also, I didn't even mention the, the the scene with the um the brandy and refreshments for your men, and it's like have a good meal, boys, like with Bernard prick Bernard moment. Uh, but yeah, the the whole Zikovsky bit with the the gun and shoots, and like you thinking, oh yeah, he's going to shoot Electra, and then he points a gun at Bond. And I remember watching, like, what the fuck? Why is he going to shoot Bond? Like, come on! And then obviously does it to help him out, and they share that nice little you know wink or nod or whatever it is before he carks it. Um, and the the death scene with Electra, like I think you're underselling that a whole heap. Like just the the moment there when she's there, and you know, like you couldn't kill me. And then you know she's acting all so innocent and doe-eyed, and like oh you know, look at me, I'm hot and sexy. And then you know, obviously he tells Renard to dive, and then bang. Like it's just such a you know, you know, I wasn't expecting it because like you think oh Bond's not going to kill a woman. Like no way. Like he wouldn't do that. And then we get back to Necro Bond, like calling in and kissing a dead body, um, and the the whole submarine bit. Like I I enjoy it. I don't think it's the best Brosnan climax, but it's still enjoyable. Um, you know, <laughs> the one key Denise Richards scene in the entire movie: white t-shirt and water. Let's just leave it at that. Um, the, <laughs> I will say the most Cockney Pierce Brosnan has ever sounded in a James Bond movie is when he rocks up there to Denise Richards and he's like, "Thought I forgot you, eh?" <laughs> he says it i always laugh at that um, i'm on <laughs> the one bit it's sort of like they add the tension to it is when they've got to, he's gonna like swim up to go through that tunnel to get let back in again and then like denise richards is like getting knocked over ah i'm getting knocked over and i love it how bond just looks at his watch as if to say like come on i'm running late um, the fight scene between Bond and Renard, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to kick you, you're going to fall down, I'm going to punch you a little bit, blah, 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 nothing too special. Um, Denise Richard get does she get punched or just shoved out of the way? I wish she had got punched. Um, I, I do... <laughs> I, I wish he'd been slapped by Judy Dench. <laughs> I would have watched that. I do, I do love that line, though, like... Um, when he sort of goes rage Renard when she's like he's like oh haven't you heard so is she like being dead but I do love the line when he says like you know she's waiting for you and he's kind of got like that nod like okay I'm gonna die now like I'm gonna go be with her like I think it's sweet like you're not meant to feel for the villains they're pricks and bastards but it's a nice little thing you can see Renard and Electra boning in hell Um, it's nice um <laughs> And with Judy Dench looking on filming. <laughs> <laughs> the submarine blaster. I do love the bit where they're in the harbour and that boat's going past and they're like, Hey, the people in the boat are like, Hey <laughs> It's kind of just like, Hello. Did you see that guy with the turban? That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um but the the whole I remember this bit in the movies. Like this got the biggest laugh in the entire cinema. When um, they're like, where's Bond? Where is he? Oh, body scans through this. It's getting redder. <laughs> like, I just remember that. And the music, how it's like, da-na-na-na, da-na-na. Like, it's building up, it's building up. 
Um, and I don't care what you say about it, Noah, and I don't even care if Colin's going to shut me down here. I fucking love the closing line. I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Like, it's no different to attempting re-entry, keeping the British end up. Like, it's just, it's just a throwback to that. It's brilliant. It's cheesy. It's fantastic. It's the perfect way to close out this movie. Yeah, well, um, this is the most we've had to talk about, and it's probably, if I were to take the entire Bond series, this is one of my favorite sections of any bond series ever i love the entire climax here um where to start um the zukovsky thing with uh goldie basically turning on him it's another cool twist and again just making Goldie like this like, let's have a sleazy we went with stamper and xenia the really sadistic tough villains let's have just a sleazy weasel uh i really like that about that and then the fact that when Zukowski comes back uh, later on uh, where he has that line, uh, I have the line right here where he goes, I'm looking for a submarine. It's big and black and the driver's a very good friend of mine. Uh, Zukowski really kills it in all the scenes. And it, it's sad that he dies because, you know, he's such a good character. But at the same time, I don't think that, this movie works without having some type of sacrifice of a character. And that's another one of the things that makes this your not so typical bond movie. You have this former adversary now ally and he dies in the end. And the final moment where he's, you know, looking to shoot Electra and instead he's shooting bond, you know, that's a great moment. And even still, it still catches me off guard. Sometimes there's a lot of moments in this movie where as even though I know the entire plot, it still catches me off guard. Uh, that torture scene is so good. Uh, I'm going to say if that doesn't make it in our Hall of Fame, I'm leaving this show permanently right in time for Die Another Day. That's one way if we so, ever want to get rid of it. We were talking about yeah. cable, weren't Actually, we, Noah? If Ben says anything right now, I'm leaving right before Die Another Day, yeah. too. <laughs> we all have our stipulations. <laughs> if I hear one more fart effect in this podcast... <laughs> anything uh, to get out before Die Another Day. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the torture scene is amazing. That's the best scene in the movie. And again, you have to have the right actors to pull this off. And you have to have experienced actors. You can't have someone like Denise Richards do this. And I would argue as much as you know, we liked Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh is not going to pull this off. Terry Hatcher is not going to pull this off. This is a perfect scene. And the world is not enough line. I could see Noah's point if all we had was the whole, the world is not enough. But... The fact that she just says, you know, foolish sentiment, and he kind of laughs and goes, family motto. Anybody who knew the Bond series was listening to that line. Like, oh, that's amazing. They just brought up the world's not enough and even mentioned it being the family motto. That's that's the best delivered, awkward title fit we've ever heard in a movie. And I'm not even that down on the, uh, on the, the Die Another Day one. But this one is amazing. I love the world's not enough line. I think the best one is My Name's Dr. No. <laughs> Or the writing of From Russia with Love on the picture of Tanya. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, torture scene, torture scene, instant Hall of Fame. Everything about it, the fact that she's straddling him, the fact that he's dying. I mean, I, I mentioned before how there's this mis misperception people have with Pierce Bros and that he's just this superhero, can't get hurt Bond. And I'm like, where are you coming from? He's the only Bond we've ever seen basically with his arm in a cast. He's the only Bond who wasn't medically cleared for something. And he's the only Bond that we see basically gasping his last breath at a certain point. I didn't know that thing about strangulation, Ben, so I'll, I'll, I'll look at the scene a little bit differently next time. Um, 
the one last screw line is going to make a lot more sense now. Uh, you're educating me on your filthy ways. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your hobbies are, they're they're paying off in information on this show. <laughs> um, everything works so effectively with Electra's death. And I mentioned this earlier about how convincing she is in her whole panicky, you know, PTSD uh, terror victim early on. She's just as convincing as this villain who's so cocky and so arrogant that she doesn't think there's any way he's going to pull the trigger. And when he's chasing her, it's like it's like watching a child. You know, it's like you can't catch me, but it's like you know you're never going to kill me. Like she's taunting him, but she's 100% convinced of this, and that's what makes it so good. And we have this one great moment where he yells at her to, to call off the sub, and she actually like kind of jumps, but then even still, she has this smile come across her face. It's like. It's like, you're not going to pull the trigger. And then she's like, dive, dive. Like, dramatically, this works so well. Why are people criticizing this movie? This climax is amazing. Uh, the fact that she's that convinced he isn't going to die and then he pulls the trigger. I mean, it's not... I never thought it was a thing about Bond wouldn't pull the trigger. I always view this differently, thinking Bond will pull the trigger. It's just she thinks she has that much power over men. Like, it makes her such a, a more interesting villain that in her mind, we've only seen half of what she can do. She can turn the terrorist. She can turn an MI6 agent. She can do anything. Then we have Bond diving into the water, which is like, it's a ridiculous stunt. But again, dramatically with the music he's playing works so well. And I think that even Ben's underselling the submarine climax. I think this is my favorite climax of the Pierce movies. Uh, I think the GoldenEye one's good, but it's basically you know, a few explosions and then some close shot fight scenes and then a guy falling off satellite. This is everything. I mean, you have the 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 guys in the submarine. You know, Renard's even shooting his own men at points. Uh, you have the thing being flooded. You have the fight with Renard, where Bond's actually trapped behind the 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 cage or whatever. Uh, the fact that he kills him just with his gadget. You know, M even had that earlier. I mean, sometimes this movie gets too criticized for being over reliant on gadgets. I'm thinking M makes a beacon out of a clock battery, and Bond kills the villain with some type of PSI hose is just using their brains to kill the guy. And I liked the scene with Renard. I think this is where Renard's at his best. Um, the the whole escape from the submarine, there's so many different layers to this. I, we could do an entire episode, I think, just on this climax, in my opinion. Okay. I'm, 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 surprised that even, <laughs> I'm surprised that you undersold it, Ben, because I love this climax. And all the way up until the moment where they're, they're you know, diving out of the submarine but you know that they're gonna be crushed to death if they're not exhaling so i'm watching this thing do i see the bubbles coming out of their mouth it still works so well uh i'll talk really quickly about the christmas in turkey i do think the lines are pretty lame and maybe it's there's a difference you know we know how filthy tasmanians are now uh <laughs> thanks to ben <laughs> but when i saw this in theaters even though the the, the audience seemed to be enjoying the movie this got groans when there was the, not the Christmas of Turkey line, but the thing with the body heat measure. <laughs> it got groans in the theater. I kind of laugh at it now. I laugh at it more because we get Judy Dench doing the Bernard Lee reaction. The 007, like she's so disgusted. And then R pulling the plug. Millennium bug line. <laughs> yeah. The millennium bug line. That was good. Um, I also wonder, was this supposed to be New Year's Eve? We see the fireworks in the background, but he says Christmas and Turkey. Like, when is this supposed to take place and why are there fireworks in the background? I always thought this was New Year's Eve and, like, in a few seconds, the Millennium Bug would strike or something. I don't know. 
But MI six must be having an exciting New Year's Eve if they're all in the office trying to find 007. Yeah, they're having an office party watching Bond get laid. <laughs> well, that's they got some that's of Stanford's favorite pastime. Money Penny's got a few extra cigars. <laughs> that's why Judy Dench is so appalled. She's like, oh, "We had a date tonight, Bond. What are you doing with her?" She doesn't even know what nuclear physicist means. Um, um, the pills aren't working as well as Q's used to. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's it kind of makes me laugh now. But I mean, it is funny to hear that different parts of the world got a different reaction. Because even though the, the movie was fairly popular, you know, when I saw it at the time, it was fairly popular. I mean, that that scene both times I saw it in the theater, it, it got a groan when they showed the whole body heat thing. But you know, oh well. I mean, it's it's still a decent end to a great movie, and like you said, a great. <laughs> Call back to the seventies Morris. I'm just picturing Australians laughing at Canadians are disgusted. I think that just sums up our <laughs> cultures. <laughs> what will Doctor Warmbroth think of this? <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't like that. Oh no. Oh, sorry for my criticism. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the first, her entire introduction. They make a joke out of her name. Why even call her that if you're gonna point out how? Freaking dumb it is. But anyway, uh, is, let's what, move because on. Because it's a joke. <laughs> Pussy galore. <laughs> Jokes are meant to be funny. Pussy galore is funny. Hey, um, but even her saying, don't make a joke about my name, is a joke in and of itself. That's kind of the point of it. Yeah, but it's not funny. But it's no though. different. Like, um, if somebody <laughs> says to me, like, my name's Waterworth. Oh, how much is it worth? Oh, I don't know. I've been asking that question for years. Like, you just get used to I it. I just say, Noah... You were laughing at Jonathan Price doing a racist <laughs> to Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, but that was funny. You go off at me for liking everything in a movie for the fact that I like it. You're hating everything in a movie for the fact you hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate everything. I think I had a lot of compliments for this film. But Denise Richards and Christmas Jones sucks. Falls. Well, she probably did. Not Bowler. Um, I thought I was actually quite positive overall on this film, minor a few scenes. Um, let's move on to our ending parts. Um, where should we start? Shall we start with... Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. bang. Um, Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. I thought we were doing the Big Bang let's... Theory. Um, see, stuff like that is why I don't like Christmas Jones, because it's not funny. Um... <laughs> Bond, Bond, James Bond, two. Oh, we're straight into it, are we? Okay. Um, yep. Yes, two. <laughs> Martini, one. Yes. Yes. Oh, no, there was a third one at the end. Which, by the way, should we make a correction? No, no. pointed that no. out. Yes, we have to. We don't have time. It, it does not count when you see a martini glass in the room and Bond is about 20 feet away and he never touches it. I'm so, not going and editing I'm all our websites. Stuff it. No, I was right. We're not, we don't need to edit it, but I'm going to go back and say it was two still. We'll go back and review that. Um, <laughs> we just kiss. did. You didn't touch it. <laughs> kiss uh, three. Yeah. Three. Four if you count Judy Dench. <laughs> Five if you count um, Davidop. <laughs> what Davidov is two? Oh wait, never mind. Judy Dench. Um, yeah, who who knows who else he got with? But anyway, here we go. Bang kills. Uh, have to say I'm semi confident on this one, but no doubt it will be wrong. I'm gonna say for this, and please, 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 can we have a match? Pause for dramatic effect. 
20 kills. Yes! Yes! Yay! 21! Yay! Shut up, man! 21! Nah, you're Not wrong. 21. What's... Oh. Oh. Shall I go through mine and you tell me what I'm missing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. One in the pre-title. Yes. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Four stop, little... stop, 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 stop. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Do we have to go by every minute Looking of Looking at tomorrow thing. never dies. All right, yes, yeah. One in the... Yep, okay, got it. Yep. <laughs> Four in the little Nelly. Yes. Yeah, so we're, hang on, we're definitely counting them, right? Because I was skeptical, but yes, okay. No, I counted them. Yep. Davidoff? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Two in the mine type place. I got three. I had three in them. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've established that by you saying two. <laughs> uh, six in overall for the helicopter. I had eight. Seven. It, it was okay. That one's tough because. We see one helicopter go down after a bunch of guys dived, were diving out of it. But there was four uh, in each helicopter. Uh, three jumped out of the second one, and then there was one person there left in the helicopter. There was three in each helicopter. There was three in one. Yeah, there was three in each helicopter, and then there was the last helicopter that went down. I swear there was four. Cause if Which you... I assume there was one guy in because everybody else jumped out. But there was there was three in each helicopter. But there was but those ones there that jumped three. out of the helicopter, there were three who jumped out of the helicopter, and there was still one in the helicopter. So that made the four. Okay, but there was three in each helicopter, and how many helicopters did he take out? Two. Two. But the, what I'm saying is at the end, right, you know when the heli- when the guys jumped out of the helicopter, there were three guys who jumped out of the helicopter, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then there was still a guy flying the helicopter, so there was one pilot mm-hmm. left in the helicopter, and the three that jumped out of the helicopter, which means there were four in that helicopter, in total. But there, there was three in the first helicopter because you can freeze frame it and see only three guys. All right, well, even if there was three in there, that means in hey, total Colin there was twenty. So there was seven in that scene. Yeah, we we have two in agreement on twenty. <laughs> <laughs> we just go with it. After that, there was two at the docks. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I got one at the docks. I just counted that whole sequence as, as a whole. I got one at yeah, the docks. Well, there was two. Um, <laughs> then. Mr. Kill's brother. Yep. And Electra. Electra King. Mm-hmm. One in the submarine. Yeah. Had two and in the submarine. Renard. Well, I, I had two including Renard, so Oh, yeah. Well two in the So submarine. basically the discrepancies are is that I got more at the caviar bit than you did, and I only got like one at the docks before Electra. So Yeah. And Noah and I have different numbers on different a few sequences, but we have the same. Yeah, I'm happy to go with twenty. Whatever, I'm still happy that I got 20. close. I got close <laughs> enough. Pierce is going easy on these people. I mean, he's he's a mass murderer, and the others. <laughs> I think has yeah. he already right now in three films become the most killingness Bond in three films compared to Moore and Connery. I, I haven't got that in front of me, but he's easily. Yeah, the... well, <laughs> he did thirty-one in. Golden Eye, and didn't we have the same 30, number in Tomorrow Never Dies? Yeah, so he's over yeah. eighty. Um, 81 kills. <laughs> so, okay, total, we're up to 258 now. Kills. He's over 51. Not Roger Moore. Uh, sexes. He's had 51 <laughs> roots. Um, 15 martinis and 22 bonds, James Bond. All right. Play the sound clip for the stupid idiot whose list I don't know why we read. <laughs> Box office. <laughs> And Peter Travers, he is a stupid idiot. But don't read his stuff. Whoa! Hall of Fame? 
<laughs> Not funny. Um, that was a really awkward <laughs> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Box office is. Uh, I have it somewhere. Here it is. Uh, at the time of release, this was the highest-grossing James Bond film ever. Hundred twenty-six million nine hundred forty-three thousand six hundred eighty-four made about one point six million more than Tomorrow Never Dies. So, um, yeah, end of the millennium is the highest rating one. Currently, sixth position it is in. Uh, Spectre, Spectre, has overtaken it at the time of recording this. Um, so, still decent. Um, and if you adjust it, it drops down to 11th. 207280700 bucks, Just ahead of Goldeneye and just below Casino Royale. That is 2006's Casino Royale. Um... For stupid moron, well, he's a fucking moron. Twentieth, um, he puts this in. Twentieth, fuck you, Peter Travers. Uh, just above Tomorrow Never Dies and just below Goldeneye. His only words that he's written for this is, "Yes, this is the Bond film in which Brosnan hooks up with Denise Richards in the role of a nuclear physicist." Nuff said. Backing my point, the only complaint anybody can come up with. Exactly. I think I've come up with a few more. And but... should we just say? If you're going to mention critics, anybody, there's only one name that comes to mind. And Roger Ebert said the film was a splendid comic thriller, exciting and graceful, endlessly inventive, and gave it three and a half stars out of four. Yeah. Out of four? Suck Uh, it, Travers. Hall of Fame. Fame. It's the hall, the hall with the classic scenes. Jesus. It's the hall. Oh. No one wants to go to bed. He's just like, Hall of Fame! <laughs> um, to me, this is a little tricky, but I'm going to say off straight off the bat, Boat Chase at the start. Yep. Yeah, I'll agree, and I think that Torture Scene, please agree with that. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't put it in, but I can't find something else, so chuck it in there. I wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> you have to now. I agree. Torture's name. Um, you can hear me I know someone brought up the mines. I don't think that should be there. I think Zakovsky's Caviar Factory is a better scene, personally. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I put them both even. I think the mine might be slightly better because it has that you know iconic Bond, James Bond moment in there. Um, I even but then again, Christmas has a little bit... Yeah, Christmas has a little bit less to do in the <laughs> the caviar factory, so that's up there. We wouldn't want to put Christmas in the hall. Of we wouldn't want to go <laughs> with the um either the M scene you were talking about, Colin, or the Bond Electra scene. Not yeah, I, I don't think that those. I love those scenes, but I don't think that they really have a reputation for being classic scenes. Final Q uh, scene. Oh, oh, yes, yeah. put that in, yes. yes. Oh, look at that, changing minds again. <laughs> and take out the torture scene. No. And put the Zukovsky. No, torture scene's the best. <laughs> yeah, final Q scene. Yes. Minus the Aster. Um, all right, is that lucky? Uh, the final Q scene with Desmond... As everybody listens to Ben type. <laughs> well, it's the best part of the episode. Everyone loves it, all right? I get lots this of messages. This is why our episodes it. run like three and a half hours now. <laughs> hey, we're not even at the three hour mark yet. Come on, guys. The minutes for each. Uh... All right, can we move on? Sure, Noah Groves. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, there's only one more sound clip to play, and it's Ben doing his best rendition of singing about ranking films. Play the sound. Ranking, baby. Ranking. Yes, that was Reiki. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know from a little whisper. <laughs> yeah, we the music didn't sell it that's, that's the thing we just have to say. The music doesn't sell it enough that you, you probably notice we always have to endlessly mention what the song just was. Right <laughs> just because you couldn't get it from the lyrics. I think next, no. uh, next episode, I'm just going to say, let's hear this bit. Noah, what's your thoughts? And then you'll be like, yeah, um, we have no clue. <laughs> All right, rankings. Um, and summarizing our thoughts on this film just quickly, it's not a great one. There's definitely some redeeming things, as I mentioned. I love the boat chase. There's some great action scenes in there, the skiing, the cough skis. Uh, as for Electra, I think I like the plot twist, and I do think she is a good villain. Um, I do hope one day we will get an over-the-top female villain that's like all the male villains. Um but I definitely think for the first major female villain outside of Rosa Clare, uh, Electra does the job. The chemistry between her and Bond is just phenomenal. Um, Renard is pretty good. He's okay. I just think it was a missed opportunity with the feeling pain thing that they could have went so much more with that, even though, as Colin pointed out, it is dumb. But um, I don't know. There's just something a little underwhelming about Renard, which I wish they did more with. Um but I do like the relationship between Electra and Renard. And even though I'm not a fan of M being out in the field, I do like her involvement in this film. And you definitely get Skyfall vibes for this one. And I do like that they started to do more with the MI6 crew. Personally, I think they've gotten too far with that, but that's another story. Um, so there's definitely some good things, but uh, it's just I find this one boring. And a lot of it is cheesy. Um and Denise Richards, as we pointed out, is bad. Um, R is not great. Um, and I don't find the plot overly engaging outside of the uh, Electra plot twist type stuff and the Robert King stuff. Um, and the locations we didn't really talk about aren't that exciting either. Um, so, again, I don't hate this one at all. I've rewatched this probably less times than any other Bond film that's out there besides Never Say Never Again and Spectre, Spectre, Spectre and Skyfall because that's more recent. Uh, so that's kind of my summary. And I'm going to say, and people are going to be throwing stuff at me. Luckily, we're not doing this live. I'm putting The World Is Not Enough in 18th spot, oh. second last, just above License to Kill. Oh, you Not a fan. No good dick stamper. <laughs> <laughs> a view I to just... a kill is better than this? Oh. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Moonraker is better than this? Fun. Hell yeah. It's 10 spots higher. Um, you only oh. live twice? The first half of that, did nothing happen. Sean Connery's bored in the first half of that. I find that less boring because it moves at a, a lightning pace. Um, there's just something that Lightning doesn't. With nothing it doesn't work for me. This one, um, I don't hate the film, but I think it is one of the weaker entries. So there we go.
Wow. Okay, then. Um, We barely mentioned the whole Judy Dench getting kidnapped part of the plot. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so common in Bond nowadays. Well, this is the first second. time it happened, and I love it. I think it's a great part of it, and just giving my summary on this. Um, yeah, look, anti-everything. Noah Groves just said, this, this film is amazing. Um, I love the plot. It's just, it's great. It's, it's complex without being over complex. There's twists and turns. It's, it's, it's still shocking after watching it kind of as Colin has, has sort of put there. It's not boring in the slightest. Um, the villains are fantastic. Uh, Sophie Marceau is just brilliant. Renard is just a great character. Davidov is just the most underrated henchman <laughs> ever. Um, just the, the, the locations, uh, you know, we didn't really talk too much about them, as you said, Noah, but, like, they're not terrible. I mean, it's not Kentucky. Like, it's, you know, when are we ever going to go to Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan? Like, these are just locations that kind of, uh, in the media, that are always like, oh, terrorists are from these places. Oh, but, like, they're, they're beautiful places. Like, I'd love to go to these countries and sort of see things that we terrorists see in this movie. from Azerbaijan? Well, it's in that area. Like, it's, you know... I'm not saying they are, but I'm just saying it's in an area where that often gets portrayed badly in the media. Um, and just everything about this, Pierce Brosnan is just absolutely on form as like James Bond. This, to me, is top five greatest James Bond performances in all the, the movies. Like, it's just fantastic. Um, y- yes, Denise Richards is in it, but whatever. I can overlook that fact because this film is just absolutely fantastic. Um, the music, we didn't really mention too much about that. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. The song is fantastic. Um, it's a film now that, what, at the time of recording this is 16 years old, but I still feel this is a very new film. Like, it doesn't feel dated at all to me. Um, I always knew coming into this episode that this was going to be either in first or second position. Um, after rewatching Goldeneye, I was kind of thinking, look, I'm really, really loving Goldeneye. You know, I think maybe my mind has changed, but after watching this, no, nah, sorry. Number one, world is not enough with a bullet. Thank you very much. Um, it's so interesting because I'm, I've always considered myself to be like the biggest world is not enough defender. And I think Ben puts even me to shame. And I, I wonder what's going to happen with listeners of our podcast. Is this, are we going to become the show that's known for uh, ranking the world is not enough so high when everybody else so down on it. But again, I'd like to hear an argument that has anything to do with a complaint from this movie. That's not Christmas Jones. And she's a small part of this movie. I mean, she's, She's not even the main Bond girl of the movie. If we're going to be critical of her, let's be critical of uh, Kissy in You Only Live Twice. And like we were the only. <laughs> well, well, I know we are, but the, the only thing you could really say over that is that her character is supposed to be, you know, like what's the difference between her and Stacy Sutton? Well, they're both scientists and unconvincing at that, and they're both terrible actresses and unconvincing at that. The difference is that Christmas Jones actually belongs in the plot a little bit. It's not like she's that important, but it makes sense for her to be there. So the real complaint is just, well, you got the wrong actress to play what's a decent character with somebody else. So I can't really fault the movie for that because every Bond movie is going to have somebody you hate in it. I mean, none of us were loving Sean Campbell in Honor Majesty's Secret Service and look where we rank that. Sandor wasn't you know, going to be topping our henchman list and Spy Who Loved Me is right at the top. This movie is so entertaining. It, it is slower for the first half than the others, but it's full of like the plot twists and we really shouldn't talk that down. I mean, as we were going through it, I was thinking to myself, you know, does any of the movie have plot twists like this? And I realized with the exception of tomorrow never dies, all of the 
Bond villains are kind of surprise Bond villains in the Pierce movies. But I will argue this one does it better than Goldeneye and way better than Die Another Day. The Elektra character is so complex, even if it's one-sided, even if she is just the damaged, kidnapped girl. It is still one of the most complex characters, if not the most complex character we've ever seen from a Bond girl. You have her as a villain, and she's the most complex Bond girl. This isn't a gimmick where it's like, let's throw a female villain out there. I mean, this is a very logical character, and they find ways to have this make sense with her. You know, the fact that M did screw her up. M is in some ways the villain. I mean, this is the precursor to Skyfall. And I'm not going to say it's better than Skyfall. We'll see when we get there. But there's so much going on here that was very ahead of its time. And this is anything but a dumb movie, which is what people seem to label it as. The action scenes are a little bit over the top, but all action scenes are a little bit over the top. The story is really serious and it's handled well. Electra alone means this movie deserves to be ranked higher than at the bottom uh, you add renard in there who's also fantastic deserves to be ranked higher this is pierce at his most comfortable you know is he given as great of a plot to work with as in goldeneye maybe not but if it's just his performance as an actor we've always said it, it's not bond in the best movies that gives the best performances how comfortable they are pierce owns the role here more than he will ever own it in the rest of the series and, yeah, there's not enough good things to say about this. I mean, M is really involved in the plot, and she works really well. Final appearance of Desmond Llewellyn. Um, that torture scene, amazing. I, I always flip-flop around a couple of movies, and they're all kind of ranked in the same block here. And the real question for me is just whether this is above or below GoldenEye. I've always ranked it slightly above GoldenEye, and I may regret keeping it there You know, once we get finished with this rewatch, but I have to do it. I'm going to put it number five, one spot above GoldenEye, one spot below Goldfinger. I love this movie, and I just want to hear any complaints that don't deal with Christmas Jones, because the rest of it's good. Wow. Um, <laughs> where did you put it, Ben? Number one. Uh, yeah, I wasn't paying attention for a minute. Uh, that's <laughs> Noah fell asleep. I was wondering why I didn't get a groan or some sort of response. Yeah, that's ridiculous, ridiculous number one. Anyway, and you're um, complaining you put a number 18. Yeah, I just... Come on, Golden Eye is a better film than this one. Both of you put it above Golden Eye. Well, um, I'll say this. I don't think that Golden Eye... I, I don't think that this is a better movie than Golden Eye. It is a more entertaining movie than Golden Eye, I think. Well, same goes for Diamonds Are Forever. Um, all right. Let's talk about the next one. <laughs> uh, preview that up. Um, so, yeah, I think it was probably the right approach for them going forward um, to wait six years and <laughs> to have a new James Bond and a reboot of the series. And honestly, I think Daniel Craig's debut may be one of his best and... I can't wait to talk about Casino Royale because I really <laughs> enjoy that film. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. A, a reboot of the series. We're done with the Brosnans. So. Don't forget that. We get to do our 90s retrospective episode. Yeah, we, we get to do that too. Pierce Brosnan era. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, we can cover the Casino Royale 1967. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> oh, so much good Bond stuff to come. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Uh, next up is the Christmas Jones of James Bond movies. Um, Die Another Day is coming. We've talked about it in every single episode somehow. I don't understand how. 
And it's finally here. Oh, my God. Um, I think throughout the past 28 episodes, you've heard probably my opinion, so I don't really need to preview this one up. All I'm going to say is I probably will have a few okay things to say about this, um, but not a huge lot, and it's going to be very hilarious to see what Ben has to say during next film, but... Yeah, I wish we were going to Casino Royale. But let's get it over and done with it, and I'm sure we'll find some fun things about it. Next. I just want to say, Noah stuffed up his own joke. He said we have to wait six years. It was actually seven years between 1999 and 2006 before Casino Royale came out. It took all the comedy out of that joke. Yes. Um, Anyway. um, I just love how, like, silent ben was like he was really worried for us wait wait we're not gonna get to talk about it all of this for nothing (laughs) just want to point out that yes we have spent 27 28 episodes where we have mentioned it every single time that's 28 episodes ben not 27 and um which allows me to play this again oh we gotta play it twice in an episode Ah. because oh seriously like i when we first started doing this show like I, I mean, we hadn't really talked too much individually about whole things, but then it kind of, the whole Die Another Day situation ended up coming out and you two kind of, you know, oh, it's shit, it's shit. And I was kind of like, well, it's not really that bad. And then like, it sort of, as the more as you guys bagged it out, the more I got defensive of it, then the more I got defensive of it. And then let's just put it out there. We've, we've talked about our apologist films and I said it was a view to a kill. And then I kind of thought it would be, well, it's enough because I wasn't too sure how Colin thought of it. I was knew Noah didn't really like it, but... Look, Die Another Day is pure fun. It is two hours and 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it is, of just fun. I am not going to come out and say this is the greatest James Bond film of all time. It is not the greatest James Bond film of all time. It definitely has issues. Don't get me wrong. I cringe in some of the stuff that happens in this film. But if we're talking about entertainment, we're talking about something that you can just sit down, put your brain in the fridge and just check everything at the door and just have a barrel of fun. It is die another day. Um, I honestly think Pierce Brosnan gives a fantastic performance in this film. I think the plot is not as bad as it is made out to be. The gadgets are not as bad as they're made out to be. Jinx is fucking awesome. I am going to be coming with oh. my Jinx t-shirt, my pom-poms. It's brilliant. The, f- the the song, fuck you both, it is brilliant. Oh. I don't give a crap. I'm hosting this episode too, can I point out. Um, it has its issues, but it is it is just entertainment galore and as Colin pointed out with this film that it might not be a better film but it's more entertaining I can easily list this in terms of entertainment value ahead of a lot of films and you two are going to be panicking at where I put this in my rankings I don't even know where I'm putting it in my rankings but I am just loving the fact that we have talked about this film so much without actually having talked about the film and next week Let's just put this clear, and on an episode, we will be talking about Die Another Day. Insert celebration music, which I didn't actually do, but I'm happy. Oh, we don't have to panic where you're going to put in your rankings, because at this point, you've lost all credibility after a view to a kill, license to kill, etc., <laughs> etc. Et um, I'll, I'll kind of be the middle one on this. I, I definitely criticize Die Another Day a lot, but... There are a lot of things that I will agree with Ben on. I think Ooh. that it is a fun movie, for better or worse. It's not that fun. No. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
It's not that but, fast. <laughs> again, the nostalgic thing. I mean, I don't think there's any one of us that when they didn't see this for the first time wasn't enjoying it. And I think that's both the strength and the flaw of this movie. It was a movie made to be enjoyed once as kind of like, whoa, look at all the things they threw in there. Uh, and when I did first see it, I loved it. And every time I watch it since then, it goes down a lot because you realize how messed up this thing really is. But there are quite a few things in this that really work. Um, I think the action scenes as a whole are pretty awful, but a few of them really outstanding. Um, just like the characters, there are characters in this that are really, really bad. Jinx, jinx, <laughs> jinx. Um, but then you have Miranda Frost, you know, it, it is a bit of a trade off. I think the difference between world is on up and die another day is that your main bond girl, Electra was fantastic. And the secondary one was awful. It's the opposite with Die Another Day, which is what takes it down. Uh, I think Miranda's way better than Jinx. I do think that Pierce was good in this movie. It was not him at his best. Um, it wasn't anywhere near him at his best, but he always had fun with the role, and that's the one thing that we can put above any of the other Bonds. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting because there will be several things in here that a lot of people do consider dumb that I'll even defend. But for the most part, let's be honest, this is a pretty awful movie. <laughs> Um, but there is a workable movie within it somewhere. And that's going to be the most interesting thing about going over this and analyzing is figuring out how this could have worked. I really like when we do that sometimes. And I have some ideas in my head right now about how a real workable movie could have been made out of this. It's just, that's not what they ended up with, but it was, it was fun at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it next week. Um, I can't wait for that. Uh, <laughs> yes. That, oh, I can't believe we're here. <laughs> so fucking amazing. Can we turn back and recap all the first 19 again? You can. Reversal? You know, the good thing <laughs> is that to record this is still reliant on mine and Noah's schedule. So <laughs> if we just constantly are sick and busy, yeah, busy for the next like, six months, don't hold it against it's us. All right. The longer you delay it, the longer it takes for you to get to Casino Royale, Colin. So you take your time. I can wait. I can wait. <laughs> Noah's um, like, I could just drop this whole podcast thing altogether if you want <laughs> Next week, Ben will be joined by Cable Brand. I'll sit here by myself and be like, I'm Ben. Oh, yeah, I'm Colin. No, I'm no great. <laughs> Why didn't Noah become the Incredible Hulk? <laughs> oh, God, don't start that again. <laughs> yeah. What was these cats for? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Which I often ask. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, that's it. Subscribe. To our iTunes, if that's something that you feel you should do and you own iTunes, unlike two of us on this podcast, um, send us an email. Have we got an email yet, Ben? We did the last time you asked me that, Noah, uh, and it's still there. <laughs> and it yes. was a response from Pierce Brosnan's people saying he's not interested in <laughs> <laughs> And we treasure the email. Um <laughs> Find us on Twitter, Survivor Oz. No, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Find us on Twitter. You can email that too if you want to, but. Amazing Race. Oh. <laughs> You're Oz Vision. Oh, whoops. I'm mentioning all these other shows that we record that you should <laughs> yeah. Find Find us on Twitter, Double Oz7. Um, and we're there on Facebook as well. I'm pretty sure that's all of the media that we own. But do it. We always say it, and you never do it, so do it this time. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you and adding a second email to the collection. Um, 
That's it for The World Is Not Enough. My name has been Noah and the world is not enough to sustain my pain for what is to come next week on Double Off 7. My name is Ben and I'm gonna wake up. Yes and no, I'm gonna kiss. I'm not gonna wake up. And I'm Colin and I'm off to watch season one of Judy Dent Strangles Handsome Men. <laughs> Alright, that's it. The world's not enough. We've got to end because Ben is singing Die Another Day and uh, I think we've lost everyone who was willing to send an email. So that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Stop him. Stop him. That's it. Double O Seven. Goodbye. The world is not enough. Analyze this. Shut up. This is Double O Seven. Ah, yes, the legendary 007 wit. Or at least half of it. Born James Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Would you like to check my figures? Oh, I'm sure they're perfectly round enough. I'll see you later, Mr. Bond. So you put your money where your mouth is. I have to get it back, or somebody's gonna have my ass. First things first. Dr. Jones. Christmas Jones. And don't make any jokes, I've heard them all. I don't know any doctor jokes. I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Suppose we all have to pay the piper sometime. Oh, pipe down, 007. I think. You're not here to think. You're here to do what I tell you. Nobody can resist me. James Bond, Universal Exports. And I'm Davido, Chief of Security. She wants to see you. Not you, Davido, him. I'm looking for a submarine. It's big and black and the driver is a very good friend of mine. There's no point in living if you can't feel alive. But then again, there's no point living if you can't feel alive. Isn't that right, Electra? Isn't that your motto? Who are you? And how did you get in? I'll call security and congratulate them. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. See you back at the lodge. I've forgotten you, eh? You know what happens when a man is strangled? Why am I suddenly worried that I'm not getting enough insurance? Always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. What have you been, you golden custard buffoon? I could have given you the world. The world is not enough. Foolish sentiment. Family model. <laughs>